And now, welcome to auditions for the longest-running show in Broadway history. Again, scratch, lick, lick, purr, kick, scratch. Again, scratch, lick, lick, purr, kick, scratch. Again, scratch, lick, lick, purr, kick, scratch. Right, that connects with purr, purr, flick, hiss, scratch, step, turn, lick, lick, purr, kick, spray. Got it? Right, let's do the whole combination now, facing downstage, away from the litter box. A five, six, seven, eight. Meow, I hope I get it. I hope I get it. How many kitties does he need? How many kitties does he need? Meow, I hope I get it. I hope I get it. Does he want strays or Siamese? Does he want strays or Siamese? Look at all the pussies. At all the pussies. How many kitties does he need? How many strays of Siamese? How many kitties does he Welcome again to episode 100 and somewhere in the 20s. More importantly, welcome to the last episode of 2019. Yes, or the first episode of 2020, depending on how long we record for. Well, you know, now that you said that, I by the time it's released, because even if I were to edit it tonight and get it online, like it still probably wouldn't make the cutoff. So, yeah, man, now Happy I feel like a New failure. Year, no, I missed saying the last episode of 2019. What kind of fool am I, Christine? I'm sure it's fine. I don't know. It doesn't sound very jellical of me. <laughs> or is it totally jellical it's of me? Totally I don't dumb. know. I still don't understand it. It's the most jellical thing you've ever said. And, or it's not. Or it's not. <laughs> oh, it's a state of Schrodinger's jellical world. Everything is always 100% jellical, and yet 100% not. Not. Oh, what a world, what a year, what a day, what a decade. It's the end of a decade, Christine. End of a, the end of an era. I don't yeah. know of what. But... Of something or another. Uh, we're not drunk. I'm not drunk. Are you drunk? I'm not drunk. No, it's I'm... New Year's Eve. It's For me, it's 8.30 at night, and I've been in my pajamas for several hours now. Um <laughs> Wondering if maybe I'll make it up late enough to watch New York One's coverage of the New Year's celebration. That's my, like, enjoyment of New Year's Eve, because what happens is, so you get all the big networks that are in Times Square. That's when you get your Ryan Seacrest's and your Mariah Carey's. But New York One, for those who don't know, is a, like, it's like your local news, only it's New York City local news. But it's sort of run like a local news network. So what happens is they don't really let them get close to Times Square. They're like standing on 50th Street, sort of pointing at something in the distance and saying like, so the ball's about to drop, we think. And that's that's usually my New Year's. What about you? What's your tradition? Um, Well, two years ago, we watched The Snowman. Oh, (laughs) I still haven't seen that. Um, don't. No, but it sounds like I should, based on everything I've heard. And then last year, I don't remember. But, um, I can see the Space Needle from, this is not a flex, I can see the Space Needle from my, from where we live. Neat. It's just because it's so big. It's not that I live close to it. Um, and they shoot fireworks off of it. Yeah. Like, I don't like fireworks. I don't think they're stupid. Um, but... (laughs) They're pretty enough. I mean, I mean, they're loud, and I don't like them. And then whatever. I feel like every it's time I see fireworks, I just think of Land of the Dead, and I just think of all of the people's heads like staring straight up at fireworks. And oh, I think Land this would be a great God. time to go start biting people. Well, yeah. So when you don't have that, 
Mm. But, like, I, I think it looks cool because it's coming off of something as mm. opposed to, like, just going up, just in, the up air. in the air. Yeah. But um, there's, like, a wind advisory here. So I there's a chance that they're not going to actually do it this year. Or the, if they do it, it's going to be, like, wild and shoot everywhere. Like, when, on Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade when it's really windy and it's awesome because you just watch it thinking, oh, what's going to happen to SpongeBob? Where's he going to go? That gives me so much anxiety. <laughs> I don't even want to think about it. We have different um, definitions of... Uh, or how these kinds of things make us feel are very different. I, I, should say. I get really anxious when the balloons blow around weird. Um, just thinking about it makes me uncomfortable. I'm sorry. I did not it's mean okay. to go to a dangerous place. That's not uh, your fault. This time of year always makes me nostalgic for mm-hmm. my days in the city. Yeah. Arguably the happiest I ever was and ever oh. will be. <laughs> <laughs> taking a maudlin turn. I just miss it a lot. Sure. I miss it a lot. Um, I miss you a lot. So. I miss you. Um, but yeah, with nothing, I don't care. I'm old. Yeah. I'm tired. Do you do any kind of res- like New Year's resolutions or new, new, or like New Year's movie watching, movie writing resolutions, anything like that? You know, let's, I don't, I don't do resolutions because I don't, be- I believe you should just do things when you think of them. Um, <laughs> I'm fine if people do that. It's just not really sure, my fair. bag. But 20, 2020 will be a year where I am focusing on ingesting content from um, non-male creators. I love it. That's a good one. <laughs> because, because I am constantly disappointed and upset. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's not, how, that's not what I want to be in, in, in 2020. No, I, I think that is a brilliant way to go. I like that. I may steal some of that, I think, on the movie end, because I think that's a great idea as far as like every year I'm like oh let me try to get more Criterion watches in let me try to watch more Kurosawa like I I like that because that gives you such a broad range of like oh I'm gonna watch anything as long as it's not made by a man I like that Uh, and or you know we can even uh, I'm fine most white men it's like I there are there are dude white dude filmmakers out there that I trust implicitly and I Uh think we'll get into that (laughs) Um, one of them made a Star Wars movie another one did not Oh boy. Um, so like I, it's I'm not like no one needs to not all men me. I sure. get it, and especially like like men of color mm-hmm. and non-binary Absolutely, folk yeah. and stuff. Like uh, there's content out there that's not the same regurgitated bullshit that we keep getting fed. Yes. That I there's so much out there. So I this think I need to make a more of a concerted effort to champion it this year what about you young lady um i i like to do a lot of i make a, like a whole list of resolutions by like category hmm. so i'll have like my resolution for we are very different people I, you know i didn't used to be this way and and sometimes i sound really organized but it's like sort of just organized it's my way of organizing chaos into some form mm. So, like, I'll do, like, cooking, where, okay, this year I've started to cook fish. I'm going to try to, like, cook a different fish once a month and, like, really learn and get comfortable with cooking fish. Um, I'll do one for work, where it's, okay, I'm going to try to, like, really step back and really focus on creating more systems so I'm not the one doing everything so I can set stuff up so that other people can do it and I can check it, that kind of thing. And I've kind of been at a block with both the creative and then the movie watching of what to do. Um, Because every year I try to do something like, okay, I'm going to try to write more like non-movie content or I'm going to try to do, and I just never get to anything. So I still have to think about that on the creative end. And then on the movie watching end, I hadn't really thought of anything. So I'm just going to steal yours. Good, good. That's fine. Let's, let's, let's feed into this. 
Well, it's great because we can do it together also then, like, whatever the next movie we cover is will be something directed by a non-binary, non-white man. All right. It narrows our field down. It makes our choosing easier. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. But today we are not, well, I mean, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff made by a lot of, I think, straight white men, amongst other things. Amongst other things. Yeah. This is our our grab bag episode. It's our catch up. Uh, It's been like a month. It's been. Well, it's been a month. And like, it's been to me, I've, every time I do the stocking stuffers, I kind of age 10 years with each run. Um, Like I have more gray hair now than I ever did. And I noticed something today. For a while, my gray hair and people out there who've started to go gray, like, tell me if this is a normal thing. For a while, I was getting nervous because I'll get like a little tiny gray hair, like a little gray hair that's like two inches long. And what that means is like I see it when I put my hair back, like one piece of hair just like shoots up and it's easy enough to kind of rip out. But now what's happening is the gray hair, like it's getting longer and it like does its own thing where today I blew dry my hair and my hair was straight. And then I looked in the mirror and I noticed a gray hair that was like crazy spiral curl, like at my full hair length. Hmm. That didn't used to happen. And I kind of blame Hallmark Christmas movies for it. I'm sorry that that's happening to you. I am probably 35% gray at this point. Mm. Um, but mine are not a different texture. They are they are the same texture. Right, as mine. you just die over it, and okay. nobody knows, right? No, I'm I'm going gray, man. I'm gray. Oh, okay, okay. Why not my bangs? Embrace it. Mostly gray. Why not? Ooh, I like it. I'm a, I'm an old lady. I'll, yeah. I'm fine with that. Lean into it. I, I I do. I appreciate that. I respect that. I embrace that. Thank uh, you. So yeah, we got a lot of stuff to talk about, and then I, what I want to do is at the end of after you and I get through all of like the other stuff, we mm-hmm. dive in deep into the two big releases of December. Uh, yes, I mean when you were looking a year ago at the map of like movies debuting in 2019, tell me the two you weren't most excited for were these two. No. I'm a changed person. <laughs> it's been a long year again. It's, Think for um, error. We're gonna so we're we're gonna talk about cats. Yeah. And we're gonna talk about the rise of Skywalker. Uh-huh. I think one, one of them... them is a giant mess. And the other one is a giant mess. And one of them <laughs> is a really is enjoyable giant mess if That's you true. have something in your system, and the other I don't know that it will ever be enjoyable. I I had very different experiences with the two. I did too, and I saw them in the same day. I know! That's fucking wild! I can't wait to talk to you! Oh, yeah. Because they screened them for critics on the same day, too. <gasps> wow. And I remember when we sat down in Cats, it like, that was a whole thing. But, <laughs> like, I leaned over to Zach and I was like, I can't believe critics saw those on this, these on the same day, almost back-to-back. Yeah. Like, I wonder if that colored their perceptions of Cats. So, I can't wait to see what you think oh yeah let let's start with the other stuff because i feel like yes. uh, like we can go on like we'll never stop so at least if we mm-hmm. get the other stuff out of the way first so okay. christine aside from cats and the rest of Star- skywalker and holly star what else have you been watching the past month okay i have kind of a long list but i'll try to you, blow through you it take your time you do what you want to do we've got we're gonna run out the clock oh no <laughs> that sounds dangerous yeah um we, so I have a couple that are still the end of um, November, which would be Murder Mystery mm, November. Yeah. Or it just turned into kind of like Mystery November. Mm-hmm. Um, L.A. Confidential, which I had never seen. Oh, how does that 
hold up on first watch in, like t- in 2018. Oh, you, you did? I, yeah, I'm surprised at how much I liked mm-hmm. it. Yeah, like, I mean, I perform- liked it when it came out. I haven't seen it since. The performances were really good. Yeah. Like, it looked good. Oh, yeah. I enjoyed it a lot. I That could be one of those expectation things. Sure. Like, I expected that, like, oh, this movie's not for me. Mm-hmm. But, like, I liked it. I don't know. It was fun. Um, I saw Gemini Man. Gemini Man. Oh, is that the Will it, Smith? Will Smith? That's Yep, that's the double Will Smith. Mm. How do you like double Will Some, Smith? So, well, I love double Will Smith, but not in this movie. Um, somehow worse than I expected, Ooh. and I had very low expectations. Was this M. Night Shyamalan? No, oh. it was Ang Lee, right? Oh, was, Ang Lee? was it Ang Lee? Wait, was yeah. it? Yeah. Wow. Um, I, it didn't look good. I was going to say I guess it looked good. The effects... It, it was i didn't like it i mean <laughs> nobody all. did apparently so and i we were gonna like i wanted to be like i want to give a will smith movie my money mm. because I, I do like will smith and i know all the scientology stuff like i get yeah, it but, but but the man has charisma and the man is a good actor i like I mean, things to, tom cruise you could say the same thing about oh my god emily so halfway through this movie, or even like a quarter way, I said, this is a 90s Denzel movie. What is happening? Mm. Because there's a very specific type of movie that Denzel was in in the 90s. Oh, yeah. I have seen them all, and I love them all. This, this fucking smacked of it. And I was like, what is this movie? So you go and look it up. Do you know this is like an originally was a script that was getting tossed around in the 90s? It doesn't surprise me. There is something so inherently like deja vu or man on mm. fire about it it's so weird and i think to myself boy this would have been a better movie if it was made in the 90s with the limitations that that would have yeah imposed because it was just it was it was like hey look i'm a spectacle but like it wasn't good. like how would you have seen it done differently just with makeup or just with two actors maybe mm-hmm. i mean yeah yeah this digital de-aging thing has gotten out of hand and i hate it it didn't in it in like, but then on top of that, the story was. I don't think it needs me to talk about it anymore. Um, <laughs> one of the one biggest of my, money lo- losers of 2019, I believe. I, yeah, um, I can see why it it wasn't great. Um, my one of my most anticipated movies of the year, uh, Knives Out. <gasps> yes, I haven't seen it. What do you think? Phenomenal. Oh, good. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Um. I want to see it again. We might see it in the theater again. Um, I really liked it. Um, this on this show, we love to not say people's names right, but um, <laughs> Anna de Armas, I, don't I know think who that is. is she's the lead. So she's the surprise lead in this movie. I okay. didn't expect her to actually be the lead in it, but she was Joy in the new Blade Runner, and she I was didn't also- see the new Blade Runner. Oh, it seemed like it was very long, and I did not I want to watch it for, for three hours. I didn't really like it, and mm-hmm. I didn't really like what they did to her in it. But I, I enjoy her. She's unbelievably, ethereally beautiful, but she's also super talented. I We watched her in a movie with Keanu Reeves, Exposure is maybe what it's called. Maybe okay. I made that up. Um, but I really like her, and I was like, oh, she's in this movie. That's super exciting. But she's, like, the legit lead of this movie. Hmm. And I'm so happy that somebody recognized her her charisma and ability like instead of just being like look at this pretty girl right right it was cool but like it was it's a great movie and it's really fun and it plays with the 
the expectations and the conventions of the genre really yeah. interestingly. I really want to see it. It just didn't, it wasn't one that we were able to get out of to a theater to see. Yeah. Um, so it'll be one like as soon as it hits streaming, probably. You, I think you'll like it. I'd yeah, it seems everybody yeah. loves it, and it's such a good cast. And and after, um, for a lot of reasons, I feel like my loyalty and adoration and respect for Ryan Johnson might be a lot higher than it was a week ago. Look, you you know how I feel and how I, I have felt. And this I get only it now. solidifies. Yeah, I will go to bat for that man mm-hmm. forever. I get it. I get it. <laughs> Speaking of, I watched Brothers Bloom, which is one of my favorite Ryan Johnson movies. I know you're a big fan of it. I like it a lot. Zach hadn't seen it. He thought it was a little too zany and a little too whimsical. Mm. And I get that, but there's story beats in it that I think about regularly. Interesting. It's just just a really interesting story. Yeah. Um, Watched Sandra Bullock in The Net. (gasps) The Net. Oh, The Net is a fun one. I like that movie. I I think. She is so good in it. Yeah, she really is. Yeah, it has like gives me. You know what? Whenever you've not seen this, so it won't mean anything to you. But whenever I watch the net, I go, "Huh, I want to watch Copycat next." Like it just—they feel good. Yeah, I mean, they're both '90s thrillers. They both kind of centered on like smart, pretty brunettes, right? Um, yeah, the net is like one of those great, it's funny, we just watched a, the one of the Buffy episodes from season seven, which isn't that late. I mean, it's as late in the run as you can get. Yeah. And there's a Google joke. And it, it at the time, it was funny. And now it's even funnier because it's when they're like investigating a high school student and Willow says, well, I'll Google her. And Xander's like, Willow, she's 17. <laughs> and like the joke is that like Willow has to explain it. She's like, no, that means like, look up on the Google? internet. Yeah. Like the fact like in two, this was, would have been what? 2004, I think was Buffy season seven that just how much the world has changed. So the net, which is what? 97, 98 something like yeah like that that, the net's presentation of the internet is such a glorious glorious timestamp. it is but it's it's not as like weird as it as i've it's not like like lawnmower man or true what's that disclosure (laughs) no disclosure has some great 90s web stuff yeah it's really it's not that level Mm. like there's a to me, at least, it was still, like, mildly believable. True. No, yeah, it is. It's just that much funnier in a way that it's like, no, but this, you have to understand, this was what the internet was. Uh, I, li- I like it. It was fun. I'm yeah. glad we watched it. Um, I am now, I will not give Disney my money ever again. <laughs> I know, bold statements because they basically own everything. They, they own the but, world, yeah. Um, I... I I went to the theater to see Frozen 2, which is very antithetical to my belief system, but there wasn't really anything out for like a week or two. It was weird. Because they all knew that Frozen was coming out and nothing else would make money. It was like this weird dead zone. So I said, hey, this could be fun. The first one wasn't I really liked the first one. So Zach hadn't seen it. We we rewatched the first one. Mm -hmm. I do... There are things in it that I do enjoy. Yeah. <clears throat> I love that it's really at the heart of it. It's a story about two sisters. I think that's great. And there's the stuff in the, there's stuff in the beginning that like makes me weep. Um, mm. And it's, so there's good stuff in it. Um, this one was less good. Okay. It was just kind of, I, I'm not a kid. So I guess when I say it's boring, like who cares? Yeah. But, it, but I mean, 
other movies of that ilk can be made and still please adults, even yeah. you know if that's not their primary aim. Yeah, the music wasn't as engaging, I thought, mm-hmm. and um, it was cute. There were kids in the theater, and like there was cute to hear little kids laugh at stuff, yeah. and like it was fine. But like, I don't need to ever think about it again sure. because Disney doesn't exist to me. Um, <laughs> I watched the report, which is on Amazon. Okay. Um, People keep talking is, about this, and I feel like an idiot because why do I not actually know what this is? It's about the torture report that a man that doesn't look like Adam Driver but is played by him uh, wrote. <laughs> and it's just, it's an Adam Driver movie. Like the content okay. of it. Oh my God, that cast is amazing. Tim yeah, Blake cast- Nelson, Maura Tierney, John Hamm, Michael C. Annette Hall, Benning's Ted Levine, and Ed Really good. Uh, yeah. Um, I. Look, I'm there for one reason. Mm hmm. I showed up for that reason. I got what I wanted and you I got left. got what you needed? Um, it's not the best movie in my opinion. Okay. I think that the subject matter is important and I think that the way it is presented, like, this is what happened, is great. But I think that it was a little cartoonishly done mm-hmm. and I think it was a little heavy-handed and at times I felt like somebody was going to turn to the camera and tell me about it. <laughs> that being said... I, I would like to again state that I was one of the f- I was one of the first to get on board the Adam Driver train, and I would like I everyone to acknowledge you. That. I acknowledge, honey. I acknowledge it. I acknowledge you. you. I see you. Same Thank way you. I say that about me and Michael Shannon. Thank y'all. Mm-hmm. See, yes, he'll come up on my list. Um, oh, he's always on my uh, list. <laughs> but Adam was great in it. He was great in it. He was phenomenal in it. But like, I don't know if I'll ever put my eyes on that ever again. I get it. Does not sound uh, like anything I'll ever watch. Nah, it's whatever. Um, John Wick 3, rewatched that. It's a good movie. Um, I watched all the Star Wars movies. All Wait, when you say all. Yes. Episodes 1, 2, 3, Rogue One. Episodes 3, 4, 5. Solo. Uh, Solo. Ewoks 1. No Ewoks. So then you, first of all, bitch, you did not watch all the Star Wars movies. <laughs> no Ewoks. Well, no Ewoks, yeah. no game. I didn't watch Ewoks, mm. but I did watch copious amounts of Expanded Universe content, um, which ended up being pointless. <laughs> but moving on. Um, there's a Bikram Yoga docu- documentary on Netflix, which is upsetting and interesting. Uh, what do you mean by upsetting? How fascinating. That man is a rapist. Oh, the what a the shame. man who the Bikram yoga dude and it's like I knew that because um I I've done yoga for a yeah. while and like a lot of studios were removing that designation. Oh wow. And and because of the of like yeah. allegations against him and stuff. Um it's really interesting. I had um, no idea. I just thought Bikram yoga seemed cruel to human beings because my I remember I had a friend who was British. Um, who was talking about yoga and talking about Bikram yoga. And she's like, it's such an American thing to just try to hurt yourself like that. It, it is, in my opinion, emphatical to what yoga mm, is. Yeah. And second, if I say emphatical one more time, Beetlejuice will show up. <laughs> um, it, it's there. Like when you watch the documentary, like it made, obviously the content made me uncomfortable, but like the pe- people not really caring about form or like, like, musculature it was really uncomfortable mm. to me like it looked dangerous and painful and uh, ugh. it's it. supposed to it's supposed to be about like honoring your body not like 
pushing it, to it. Yeah. <laughs> but whatever. Yeah. People want to do it. Um, I watched Holly Star, but yeah, yes, know. you did. Um, Black Christmas is a movie I went to the theater to see. I want to hear about your thoughts on Black Christmas. I liked it a lot. Cool. Like a, like a lot, a lot. Yeah. I will say that a lot of it seemed to be 80 yard and I don't mm. know why. Um, well, I th- my understanding is that it was a case of a lot of reshoots or changes for a PG-13 rating. Is that right? Okay. So I wasn't sure. I, rem- I remember it being announced that it was PG-13 and people being like absurdly right, upset about that for whatever down, reason. Yeah. Come on. But I wasn't sure if it was created and then they went, this is PG-13 or it was created as like an anticipating an R and then cut to fit right. a PG-13. So I wasn't sure about that. Sure. I So my my only complaint is I wish that that movie could exist in a more pure form because mm. it did feel like there was some snipping. There, and some, yeah, that there's you were not seeing what you were supposed to ultimately be seeing. But so other people have said that it's too explicit, but like explicit in its content. Like it looks at you and says, this is what I'm about. Yeah. And then it repeats it and then it wraps it up at the end. But 2020, the year of being yeah. explicit. I mean, Get Out kind of did that too. <laughs> like, and But like, but somebody might, but even more than that, it says this movie is about toxic masculinity. Like in no uncertain terms, right. it says that. But but like, oh, I don't. Oh, it's heavy handed. No, because there was a fucking gay character in it, and people jump on the internet and will tell you that there wasn't. Right. Because it was because they never... didn't come out and say it. Yeah. And we'll get into that with probably Star Wars. <laughs> um, so you know what? I appreciated that about okay. this movie. More of that. Mm, we're not talking about cats. Yeah, we, um, we will be talking about cats, baby. I watched a movie. That came out two years ago, maybe last year. Um, no more Disney, so it's not like I'll ever watch this again. But it's that <laughs> Nutcracker movie, Nutcracker in the Four Realms. Oh, the Keira Knightley one. Yeah. Okay. You know what? I liked it, but doesn't matter. Did you like it as much as the Nutcracker in 3D? Did it have Nazis or Albert Einstein? You know I have to try. We, you know you can't I watch have Nutcracker to try. Content, content in this house without Zach asking if you hate us. <laughs> Why does she pick these things? As I told you, I believe I was put on this earth for a few reasons. One of those reasons was to get as many people in the world to watch the Nutcracker in 3D, not in 3D, uh, as possible. And so I far, know. I've done a pretty good job of that. You really have. You you can get your wings. Like, I in that get my wings. Movie. That is my ticket to the good place, baby. Woo! Um, we watched The Night Before, which is a, a comedy with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Seth Rogen and Anthony Mackie. Oh, is Michael Shannon in this too? Yes, Michael okay. Shannon is for some reason I remember in this. when they're when they were doing like publicity for it, there there kept being this like great picture of him on a red carpet in a Christmas sweater, looking his most Michael Shannon-y. He's he's. Making some choices and they're great. Oh, so what did you think of this movie? I thought it was funny and mm-hmm. fine. Yeah, um, it was cute and not annoying. Okay, and he he was really good in it. And nice. J- Joseph Gordon-Levitt was charming, and sometimes I don't think that. I get <laughs> so, it. Um, but it was fun. We tried to watch a couple like more holiday-y things. Sure. 
Um, my favorite, my favorite Christmas movie now mm-hmm. is 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 officially P two. <laughs> um, you were talking about this on Twitter. I've never seen P two. I love this movie. Oh. I loved it the first time I saw it. I loved it the second time I saw it. But then I was like, am I wrong? And then watched it again. I love it even more. Nice. How nice. It's some, it's some prescient shit. Yeah. About, like, some some shit men pull. It's yep. real, real good. And P2 is what, like 2006 or something? Yeah, it's, it's okay. early. It's, so it's that it, weird era it, of horror where, like, mm-hmm. sometimes it's said more than you ever thought anybody meant to say. It, like, it's... I I enjoy it quite a bit, and okay. I am now firmly going to stick by that. Nice. Um, hmm. This was on Netflix. Do I remember what this movie was about? Under the Shadow of the Moon. Under the Shadow what was that movie actually about? Moon. A werewolf? Time travel. It's time travel. It seems like it should be about a werewolf. It was fine. Oh, but it's I... a Jim Nichol movie. How yes, that's why this? I watched it. It. It, oh, it's very long. Mm, and it is not written by Nick Dimitri. No. Mm. It's fine. Okay. But not remarkable, in my opinion. Mm. Um, I watched The Last Holiday, which is one of my other favorite holiday movies. It is remarkable. I love it. <laughs> I don't really like, know any of these. A Queen Latifah one. Okay, I've never seen it, but I... I fucking love it. Nice. I... I feel like there was somebody wrote something about this movie recently, kind of declaring it like this is a movie that is really important to a lot of people. It's it's really uh, subversive is overused, but it's kind of subversive mm-hmm. and it it's interesting and it's got like it's like the way everybody turns on one of the characters is re- it it it's funny and it, it it doesn't fall into certain tropes that you would expect it to. Okay. I I would Um, never have thought to watch it, but one of these days, perhaps I shall. I'm charmed by it. Nice. Um, Saw Little Women on Christmas. And I think you kind of liked it. Best movie of the year. Nice. Um, Beautiful, perfect, wonderful, amazing. I have not... And you do not have, like, a big relationship to the source Uh, material, is that right? Nope. I've never seen the 90s one. Mm Mm-hmm. And I read a super abridged version when I was very young and don't remember it. Mm. Yeah, um, I've, I never read it. I always thought I was like one of the only women I knew who hadn't read it because all the women I know were like, oh, it's my favorite book. And I just, I never, I never saw the other movie either. So I know nothing about it other than I know one of them dies. Uh, mm-hmm. But you and others have made me think I really need to see it. And it's also Greta Gerwig, who we love. It's phenomenal that is so good to hear it is it was so affecting i i steadily wept through the entire runtime i did did not move to even pick up my water bottle i was frozen what about it for you like how what is it about this movie that does that for you it the pacing was phenomenal Mm -hmm. it was it was perfectly paced like there was you never the movie never let you leave it. Like, mm. you were always in it. The acting was amazing. Saoirse Ronan is so good. Mm-hmm. Florence Pugh is so... Laura Dern is transcendently good. And it feels like the characters are talking to you. Mm. And, like, when the credit, It wasn't just me. When the credits came up, the theater clapped. Yeah. Like, that has not happened. Yeah. In a very long time. Oh, that's a good feeling. And it was just, like, and I was, 
there were a couple points, and I've talked to a couple people online about this, where it felt like the movie was directly addressing a, an issue that I currently have, and Star Wars really was emblematic <laughs> of it for me. They, Zach even said it's almost like they that the movie stopped to address Star Wars to me. There's no wow. way Greta Newt would know this. There's no way anybody would know. But it was just so poignant and perfectly on message yeah. it was exactly what i needed it was the most cathartic experience it, it it's magical it's so good yeah that is exciting to hear it's exciting to hear you talk about any movie like that but especially like a new movie directed by greta kerwig just that that yep. just fills me with excitement and hope it's it's just it's um per, it's like perfect yeah it's so good and like there were the dude next to me loved it and clapped at the end Zach loved it it's not like uh, because we were talking about this briefly before Mm -hmm. but there there was like dudes not going to like press screenings of this because it's a lady movie that's the most fucking offensive thing I've ever heard like this movie is is a lot about empathy and Mm -hmm. about relationships and growing up and like (laughs) if that's a lady thing then you're not a dude I want to hang around yeah, I mean, essentially, like, that's it. That's the movie It, right? It's Thank about you. dudes and growing up, and there's one chick thrown in there. Like, it's, yeah, that's every movie I've ever seen is that story of dudes. So, but yeah, we're, give but us when it's, when it's women, it's Then it becomes a women's women. film, yeah, and yeah, fuck you. But when it's dudes, we're supposed to just, like, it's it's a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, and it feels like Greta knows that. Yeah. It feels like the cast knows that. Yeah. Oh, Timothy Chalamet. Oh, I get it now. Oh, hello. <laughs> I understand. Didn't didn't before. Now I do. He's so good. Jeez, this movie's so good. I need to see it. Oh, I'll do what I it's, can to see it. It's very good. And I I would be surprised if you didn't like mm-hmm. it. That's what, kind of what it's seeming like. Yeah. Um. I have. Are we doing recommends this? This. Yeah. Episode? Let's do them. Yeah. All right. Well, I won't do that one then. So I watched a movie called I See You. I I see you. What what is what is I see you? Uh, Helen Hunt is in it, which is kind of what made us go like, oh, I would like to watch this. It's this weird kind of like, you know, when things are spooky and you're like, ghost or uh, intruder, mm, ghost or man living in the wall kind of thing. Yes, kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, I liked it. It was fun. I've never heard of this movie. It's newish. Yeah, Adam Randall. I'm trying to see if even the director. I this is his only. Real film, I think. Eh, I don't know it. It was it was interesting. Okay, interesting. and I thought it was it was well done, and it it was different enough. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't fall into traps that this type of movie would. Sure. Um, and then the last one is Deadly Friend, which you've seen, obviously. I've seen it, but it's been years now since I've seen it. Oh uh, well, because um, I'm a big Anne Ramsey fan. <laughs> So, uh, that, you know, that era of her in anything, good times. Sure. I'm a big fan of movies where basketballs get thrown at people and their heads blow up. I, I could watch that it. clip on over on, on loop. Oh, you were not a fan? I hate, I liked it, but I hated it. What did you hate about it? Is it because I think it's really like, A, it's not a good movie, but I think there's probably things that have aged poorly. Is that it? I mean, I just thought it was, I don't know. But so it's based on a book that a lady wrote. I want to I want to read that book. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm interested in. But um the 
it's kind of confusing and it's a little slow. Mm-hmm. So it's Wes Craven. If anybody, I don't know how you listen to the show and don't know that. See, so I'm not telling you something you don't already know. I think. Yeah, it's so it's Wes Craven and it it feels there's some like you're like is this like Nightmare on Elm Streety? There's a couple things mm-hmm. that made me feel that way, okay. which was interesting. But um, and the robot's name is BB, and I hate his voice. <laughs> Um, but it was just, I, I don't know, it wasn't weird. Somehow it wasn't weird enough. <laughs> I understand. But you're, it was You're also, talking to somebody who, who understands. We'll just put it, it that way. It was too weird, though. Mm. So it was like, it wasn't, it wasn't off the wall enough, but it also wasn't nor- like a normal enough movie. I don't know. It was, it's fun, though, to watch, like, I'm doing air quotes, horror movies that aren't just, like, ghosts. Sure. Like, it was an interesting... Yeah, like, oh, this is about a robot. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That can dribble a basketball and kill Anne Ramsey. I mean, yes. So I'm I'm happy I finally got around to watching it. Okay, interesting. And and that's it. That's my list. Okay, that's a a good one. A lot. It's a a perfectly reasonable amount. Uh, Mine is obviously minus the 13 Christmas movies I watched for Stocking Stuffers. (laughs) I survived. 13 more, just pleasure just for fun yeah well it's funny too because it's like i still sometimes can like throw them on in the background but i really can't now because it's probably the equivalent of you know it's not like it's my job i don't get paid for it but there's something like i can't just have one on because i'll start to like my eyes go to it and i'm looking for things i'm like i don't need to look for them i'm not covering this movie oh but what if one day you decide to like you should know like it's hard to to turn the key off if you will um Yeah. yeah but the other christmas stuff that i threw in there um, Pee-wee's Christmas special, of course. I watched Fun. it while I was decorating. And then one day, I come home uh, from work, and Brandon's home, and he has on a Muppet Family Christmas. And Lovely. I'm like, oh, I'm like, you just decided to put this on? He's like, yeah, I had a rough day, so I thought I'd put this on to, like, cheer me up. As soon as he says that, we both look at the screen, and what happens? But Big Bird walks into the kitchen, and we both just look at each other, and we're like, oh, fuck, we're going to cry now. Uh, yeah. And then, of course, I'm watching, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm like, I cannot watch this without I, – I always cry at the same parts. Um, and, yes, when Jim Henson shows up at the end in his amazing, like, zebra tracksuit, I lose it every time, and I did that time, too. But this time watching it, like, I even cried – in just like the scene when um the like Airbnb renter is just sitting there to Kermit like oh I'll go look for Miss Piggy he's like why would you do that you don't even know her he's like yeah but I know you and you're my friend now and I'm like it's so nice how quickly they bond and just become friends yeah so it gets me every time um and then for whatever reason um I decided now it's a long-standing tradition that I watch Silent Night Deadly Night one or two around the holidays uh this year I decided to to go a little wacky and I threw on part five Wow! Yeah, I, I, I know I've seen all five of them. Yes. Uh, part five is the toy maker with Mickey Rooney, where Mickey Rooney plays an evil toy maker. Part five mm-hmm. is pretty weird, um, and it's a good because it's very strange and it involves killer toys. So you know, for that it gives you a little bit of visual pop. And again, I'm decorating the tree and I had it on in the background. Uh, and then I also watched on Shutter. There is an anthology called All the Creatures Were Stirring. Oh, fun. Yeah, it's a very low... It's weird, because it's a very low-budget horror anthology, but it has a lot of actors that you re- you'd recognize. Like, Constance Wu is in one segment. Interesting. And it looks like it's been filmed over a period of several years, just based on kind of the look and weight of some of the of the actors. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, 
it's it's not great um like any anthology it has its ups it has its downs it has i would say like one or two stories that are kind of cool and kind of dark and effective a few kind of funny ones that don't really land it is very very cheaply made um but it's hey it's something different and if you're looking for a a like horror holiday anthology mm-hmm. um it, it's different and it, it like hits on different things of, of the holidays so like there's one segment is all about an office christmas party playing um what is it yankee santa or white elephant with a gift exchange like that's kind of neat as a segment for a horror anthology so yes yeah and it's like an hour and 10 minutes or something like that uh and then non-seasonal watches On TCM, I had recorded a movie I'd never seen that I'd always kind of wanted to, mostly because I feel like it would help me understand a lot of RuPaul's jokes more, and that is Mm -hmm. Mahogany. Mm -hmm. You ever seen Mahogany? No. With Diana Ross? Um, No. It is, I mean, so of its time. It's a Motown Studios production. Uh, Diana Ross is a, you know, young kind of uh, budding fashion designer who is not given a chance, and she gets her chance via a photographer played by, um, um, what's his name? Why am I drawing a blank? Norman Bates. Who played Norman Bates? Why can't I? Anthony Perkins. Anthony Anthony Perkins. Thank you. My God. I can't think of it either. Sometimes I'm bad when I get put on the spot. (laughs) I apologize. Sometimes I am too, apparently. Um, He's fantastic in this movie because he's so, he's playing such a strange creation of a character. He's a photographer. At first you think he's gay. Then you think he's like rapey, but he's like, he's very like mentally abusive and emotionally abusive, but he's such a baby and an artist and all that. So he's giving like this fantastic performance. Mm -hmm. Diana Ross is gorgeous and looks beautiful and can wear clothing like nobody else can. And she's not the greatest actress, but she's got charisma and it oozes out. Billy Dee Williams is her love interest and he is very sexy in it. Uh, And there's a lot of things about the movie that I think if you watch, you would kind of pick up on like, oh, yeah, RuPaul makes those jokes all the time. Like, oh, yeah, that's like when the opening scene is her walking down like a a kind of like dark, scary street in Chicago. And this guy like comes up to her and starts like hitting on her and she just turns to him and starts talking crazy. And it's this great introduction to this character of like, this woman doesn't take shit. Um, It's. It's also very of its time and a little frustrating in its message mm-hmm. about this woman's ambition and all that. Um, so it's a weird, like, I don't know, it didn't necessarily make me happy watching it, but I'm glad I saw it. Mm-hmm. It's some, something different to watch. Um, I had never seen Oliver, the 1956 Best Picture winner. <laughs> I think I saw it in school, but it I don't... It seems right. That's a very long time ago now. Yeah, and it's also a very long movie. It's like three hours long. Is it really? Yeah, it's it's fine. I had it on like in the background while I did stuff. The music's great. Um, uh, I am telling you, I cannot think of anybody's name today. This is scary. Um, what's his name? From Tommy and um, the... Whatchamacallit's devils and the brood uh oliver reed thank you yes IMDb. oliver reed what's wrong I, with me i um, couldn't i was confused too yeah he's in it and he's always sexy and weird and creepy uh it's it's oliver there's good music the musical sequences are good um it goes on for a really long time i don't think it should have won best picture that year but that's okay 
Uh, another older movie from, I think it was the early 60s or late 50s, I think it was early 60s, was The Gorgon with Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. Uh, another movie that's not so great. It's a it's Hammer. Yeah, it's definitely a Hammer movie. Um, it's it's a movie, it's, a, it's about a Gorgon who is, you know, kind of roaming the uh, Valley of London and she stones people, people get turned to stone and people are investigating it. It is a little frustrating. There's one female character who gets everything put on her and doesn't actually get mm-hmm. to do anything. Um, the Gorgon makeup is not very good. And it's a movie that I'm watching and I'm like, boy, I hope something happens. And then thank God about an hour and 10 minutes into it, Christopher Lee shows up and just walks away with the movie and brings it to life. So interesting. For that, I will always appreciate it. Uh, Brannon was, I just read the Hellbound Heart. And so we decided to watch Hellraisers one, two, and three so far and counting you're gonna do all of them um i think we're gonna definitely do four i'm kind of up for doing all of them my husband has a lower tolerance for movies that are shall we say not good and a prime example of that is we finish watching hellraiser 3 and i turn to him and i say i i rather enjoyed that and he turns to me and says that was so much worse than i remembered it being (laughs) and if that doesn't sum up us watching a movie together I mean, with those, it's really true. Yes. And Hellraiser 3 in particular, which is not a good movie. No. But it's We've kicked around the idea of watching them all, and I say no, because I know how quickly it goes downhill. Well, it's a very Children of the Corn... I think it's the same production company as Children of the Corn, where they own the property, and they kind of had to keep making them to keep the Mm -hmm. rights. To keep the rights, yeah. And sometimes that meant really quickly making a movie that was not good at all. So I think it's going to go... I've seen Hellworld, and I remember not hating it, but and that's what everybody... There is at least eight of them. Might be more. I have seen the one... I've seen... Because I think there's a brand new one without Doug Bradley. There was one from like five years ago without Doug Bradley, and I've seen that one, and it's it's not good, but for a film for a movie that was filmed in like nine days, it could be worse. Is that the one with Adam Scott in it? There's one with Adam Scott. No, I think that's part four or five. Something about blood. Bloodline, I think. Yeah, that's either four or five. I think Hellraiser four is no four or five is when they go to space. Um, Hellraiser Hellworld on Earth. Bloodline is 1996. I don't know which number that is. Um, Oh yeah, that's the Adam Scott one. Is the one in space? Maybe yes. That is Bloodline. Uh, Hellraiser 4. Ooh, so that's the next one. I've watched parts of it just for the Adam Scott stuff because he's bizarre in it. But <laughs> Godspeed to you, my friend. <laughs> well, what are your thoughts on one, on 1 and 2? I like the first one a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sufficiently upsetting yeah. and dirty feeling. It's a grimy, dirty, upsetting oh, yeah. movie. Um, the second one is fine. I every time I watch it though I forget that there are parts of it that I find really boring mm. and just dump out. And it's funny so, cuz like, I think like, part 2 is paced a little better just because it it just mo- to me it moves a little more because part 1 is kind of they're really figuring out like how to make a movie it feels like. No, that's completely true, but in part 2 I feel like there's a like goofy stuff. Oh, definitely. And I don't like that. Mm-hmm. I get it. So so, so you probably are not a fan of part out. 3 either. Yeah. 
so I dump that stuff out and I remember the stuff I like and then when I go and watch it I go like oh yeah oh, that stuff yeah 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 watching them I never had a deep connection to them um watching one like it's hard just not to appreciate it because it really is yeah. like nothing else that was coming out at that time and it just opens this door to like oh yeah because there's a whole world of like horror and sex that can get tied together in a way that I never saw mm-hmm. before that time. Uh, and I think one and two, one especially gets that and kind of, you know, I don't know that the series ever gets to where it could have gone there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then part three comes along and it's goofy as hell and it's 1992 and yep. every frame feels like it's 1992. And to me, that's a good thing, even though it's not a good movie. I get, I get that though. Yeah. Uh, any movie that has CDs flying around and killing people, i.e. So Carrie to Rage goofy. 2, is going to make me happy. I'm not saying it's, it's going to be so a good effect. Um, let's see. On the same vein, um, we sat down to watch Disney's The Wind in the Willows. Oh, fun. So I I've never seen this, I don't think. Uh, this is, to me, I'm like, wait, this is Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, right? That's my reference point of it. Uh, it's animated. It's probably about, like, 45 minutes long. Mm-hmm. This, so the reason I bring this up is because I think it's, if anybody, and it's on Disney Plus, so anybody with Disney Plus can watch it. I know that wouldn't be you. Um, but here's <laughs> the thing about The Wind in the Willows that will, will make you maybe even want to watch it. It is so gay. Is it? So I guess people have always kind of said that about the book, that there is definitely this element of like, it is all rich, kind of like foppish men living together and this that whole thing. But watching the movie, it's like, so you have these three dudes that live together, and it's, you know, they're all kind of a, a certain type. But then Mr. Toad comes in, and Mr. Toad is like, sex on a frog. Like, he comes in, and first he is like a quote, he's like what you would have called a quote unquote bachelor in the day. Like, he Weird. just spends money like crazy. And then he's like, and I have a horse. And him and the horse, I'm sorry, they are totally a couple. Like, it just feels very much like oh no the horse is a bad influence on him you know how they are together and then at one point mr toad's in jail so the horse goes to sneak him out dressed like a woman and sneaks into jail and you're like this is going places if you watch it with that kind of eye and i'm looking at brad and i'm like is it me he's like it is you but it's not you i can kind of see it but i wouldn't have seen it if you didn't throw it in my face kind of Mm, thing i would have seen it you totally would have yeah (laughs) And I, I, I know, I know myself. I know you too. You would have, I think a lot of our <laughs> listeners will or have, so anybody with Disney Plus, watch this and tell me it isn't a, it's not making judgments on them, but it just is a really gay story. And I think that's fine and kind of awesome. How fun. Yeah. Uh, let's see. On Shudder, I watched a movie. I don't know how I've never seen it. Um, motherfucking Blood Rage. Oh, never seen it. Girl. This is oh, yeah. 86, 88, somewhere in the late 80s. It is slasher boom. It was probably a video nasty. Um, twin boys, when they're kids, their mother is uh, having sex with a guy at the drive-in, and the one brother is, like, really disturbed by it. So he walks out of the car and then goes and kills a dude and yep. blames it on his brother and gets committed. But now it's, like, 10 years later, and the other brother is escaped but the other brother is innocent. So the other brother, the evil brother just goes around killing people on Thanksgiving. It's a Thanksgiving movie. And like, oh, really fun. there's this like recurring gag of like, that's not cranberry sauce. <laughs> like he like gets blood on him and he like licks it. He's like, not cranberry sauce. That's repeated like 30 times in the movie. This Holy movie is insane moly. and wonderful. And 
it is I think you would really enjoy it. It's it's a good seasonal watch for next Thanksgiving. Look, I'll I'll give it a try. You should. I want you to. I think you should enjoy it. It's for like when you want a really gooey, dumb eighty slasher. It's a good one. All right. Duly uh, noted. Okay. Uh, on Shutter, another one I watched was I think it's a 2019. I think it's a new film called The Furies. So this is an interesting concept. It's an Australian movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, these young women sort of wake up in the woods and discover they are being hunted by these like big scary dudes in masks and they're like, they don't know how they got there. It's kind of like, it just becomes a sort of hunting humans movie, which I'm always a fan of, but then there's a cool twist to it where they figure out, oh, there's like five girls, let's say, and five scary dudes. And each dude is assigned to protect one of the women. So when when a woman dies, her respective protector is his head blows up. So Weird. It, so then what what what's cool about it is then like the lead character is like figures it out and is trying to like okay how do we survive together? Like the easiest thing to do is to kill everyone like the women and the men because if I kill the women the guys are gonna die too. Mm -hmm. But how do I you know I don't want to like then this the lead like doesn't want to do that like she's a nice person. So it's pretty cool for that the effects it's a practical effects and they're like really gross and pretty cool um it like it, it does an interesting thing where it sort of presents this idea of like this kind of beauty and the beast element because they realize like, mm -hmm. oh that's what they're being called and it turns it a little bit on its head the problem with the movie is i guess it's made in order to have a sequel because they don't answer any questions and it ends with like a bunch of cliffhangers and you're just it's so unsatisfying because you're like no but i was i was enjoying you like if you've already made a second movie cool i'll watch it but if you never make but, that second movie yeah. this movie is is unfinished essentially which is very frustrating mm. um so maybe wait to find out if they're making a part two I get why you would want to do that, but that is really frustrating because I should be able to enjoy that as yeah. its own thing. Yeah, uh, and so it's, it is. It's a frustrating film for that, um, mm. but it's it's well made. Like I I would look out for this director for other things. Oh, interesting. Um, then I classed the joint up a bit with the Netflix disc that I've had sitting here for a month and a half. Uh, because this is what happens when you take out a Criterion Michael Powell movie, is it sits on your um, TV stand for a month and a half. So I finally yep. watched 1947's Black Narcissus. Oh, fun. How was that? It's great. Uh, it is gorgeous. It's one of the kind of big Technicolor innovative films. I think he made this shortly before The Red Shoes, I think. Um, and it is a about a bunch of nuns who have to move to India to create a mission there or a school there and all of the kind of loaded stuff of that. So it's very much about the British Empire dying. It's about this sort of repressed sexuality. It's one of those movies that's like inherently sexy, even though there is not a drop of sex in it. Interesting. Um, it has, I mean, problems of the time. You have two white actors playing Indian characters in kind of dark makeup, which is mm -hmm. not so great in 2019, but okay, it was 1947, things were different. Um, it is, it's a high recommend. It's it's one of those, like, it's not a light watch. It doesn't, you know, um, change your life, but it's just, you watch the movie and you're like, man, like, yeah, this, you, you could see elements of it affect, like, 
affecting and inspiring other directors. You can see shots of it and things to kind of get that this was an important movie. And, and it holds up. Like, it's it's a good... I found it very riveting. Hmm. Yeah. And then uh, the it's, only... It's is, nice to watch good stuff. Every now and, that, now and then. Yeah. After watching Silent and Deadly Night 5 and Hellraiser 3, I suppose I... I should, you know, cleanse a palate or two. I get it, man. Yeah. Uh, and then the other things, um, I mean, I, we rewatched Force Awakens and Last Jedi for, mm-hmm. you know, for the lead up and fascinating experiences, um, which I think I'll really get to when we talk about Star Wars in a minute. Yeah. Um, and then TV wise, I think you watched <gasps> oh, these wait, two. Watchmen. Watchmen and you. I think you watched both of them, right? Yes, 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 yes. Me as well. Let's talk. Which one? Um, Watchmen, you finished, right? I did. Oh, yeah. I haven't finished you yet. Did you? I did. Okay. I didn't yet. I think we have three episodes. Zach's actually watching it with me this time um, because I thought it would – I mean, it's it's enjoyable enough. I like it. Yeah. I don't like it as much as I liked last season. Okay. um, Or the first season, rather. Mm -hmm. But um, I like it so far. I think that the acting – the performances are great. All the characters are – simultaneously dislikable and likable, yep. which I, is a really tough thing to do. Oh, yes. Um, like, and it, it, oh my gosh, Nell from... Yeah, uh, Victoria Pendretti. Oh my god. Love her. She's phenomenal. She really the, her, is. her line deliveries in the show are so weird. Like, the way she chooses to say things, like, this, like, nothing line she imbues with yep. so much, like emotion or like humor it's so weird and i i just forever i love her forever now she's really great yeah but i miss i miss like the people i really i mean i miss shay mitchell that's who i miss yes i i miss peach and i miss beck and i miss i miss everybody from the from the first season but but like that's what the, the nature of the show is so i think it's i guess it's good that i I'm like, oh, I wonder what these characters, the ones that aren't dead, that's are the ones they didn't kill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, are you enjoying it as much as the first season, or? Yeah, no? it's it's yeah. funny because I I had read both of the books before the show came on for a book club, and so when the show and the first book, the first season's really close to the book, and mm-hmm. the second book, re- like when I read the book, I'm like, you know. I, I enjoyed the book because it, it is it, – it's very funny, but I didn't – like, some of the L.A. jokes didn't, like, hit – because I, I kind of don't like stuff about L.A. I just – I've never lived in L.A. I have no desire to live in L.A. And I feel like on the page, it just kind of feels insufferable. But I love how they did L.A. on the show. And it's I, really funny and self-aware. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's so much. And just to where, like, Brandon would walk by when I had it on – and like he'd hear the name Sunshine and just like look at me and I'm like no it's a jo- like it's part of the joke like the show knows how weird that is like and I think they really made like the character of Forty in the book is just so so like obnoxious to even like you just picture somebody playing that role and it's just the but on the show I think they cast it right and I think they played it right and they didn't overplay him where they could have made him so much even more awful but like they understood this really important line to stay at um yeah he's he's great yeah i think the performance of that character is so dimensional yep when it could have just been just you're right like straight whiny obnoxious. rich sad boy yep. yeah but like it's not like there's more going on um i like the whole candace thing is very different from the book and i like it like i like what i mean the problem i think and kind of justifiable and the books are written by by a woman 
Um, but there is this like tricky line and Penn Bagley was like really firm about it on Twitter after last season. Cause people were like, Oh, you're the perfect boyfriend. He's like, no, my character is not. My character is a messed yes. up human being. Do not fall in love with my character. He will kill you. And it's a hard thing because how do you take and what the first book does one of the ways it does that i think is it has joe narrates it's whatever that um uh point of view is he's talking to you the book is written mm-hmm. to beck basically and so as a result like you're it's both kind of unnerving but it's also like you know everything's being put on you and the second it's book very yeah, yeah yeah and so it just becomes like oh it's an la book which I've read a few of and I don't usually like, but so I'm, I dig what they did. I think I like the look of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be really curious when you finish it. What do you think? Cause I don't want to say anything. Cause there's like still a lot of surprises that you haven't seen. Yeah. It's done a couple things I didn't expect. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will, I, and I don't know if he comes back or not and don't, uh, I, I can't see you. I'll so you nothing. won't give anything away, but um, I am past the point where, where, Joe has let the real Will go. Spoilers, mm-hmm. everyone. Um, but I don't know if that comes back into play. That actor is great, and I love him. He is. That's Rob, Robin Lord Taylor. He was on Gotham. Yes, and he was in John Wick 3. Mm-hmm. Right? Maybe. I feel like he's had yeah. a year, so probably. Zach nodded at me. I think it's the third one. I love him. He's, he's great. He's a delight. Yeah. He is a delight. Mm-hmm. Everybody on that show is great. It's, yeah. it's really well done. And the co-creator is... Um, showrunner heavily involved writer i'm not really sure how tv works sometimes for the magicians which is one of my favorites. ah okay i remember you being so, a fan of that so yeah i this is uh, good hands i very feel good. very good um, um and the watchman was the perfect thing oh ever. my god watchman was so perfect watchman was my one of my favorite movies of the year it yeah that was the best eight hour nine hour movie i have seen in a very long time what a brilliant like there were so many things that that show did just perfectly i think it unflinchingly fantastic it was perfect i worried and you know i thought oh when is this gonna go off the rails Mm -hmm, and i didn't think it felt too deliberate it felt like when they wrote the first i feel like they wrote I feel like everything was like a cohesive story. And oftentimes mm. with television, it feels like the first episode is not um, in Congress with the last. Like, And it well, felt like it was all the same story mm. with, with the same voice and everything mattered. There wasn't, there wasn't B stories that didn't go nope, anywhere and nope. didn't tell you anything. Well, and this and, is the thing that's always driven me crazy about, again, to bring up, to beat an old dead horse of mine about American Horror Story. Yeah. was all of those shows were self-contained. It was, this is a miniseries. It's a one-season show. At the end of the season, that's it. So how do you not lay that out ahead of time? You only have one season. You have 12 episodes. How do you not look at each episode and say, okay, my character is here. He's going to get here. So I am going to track that. Now this character is here. He's going to get here. And I've always felt like American Horror Story never does that. They, like, start off with, like, all these great ideas, and then they're eight episodes in and are like, oh, you know, I guess we didn't need that character, so let's just uh, forget him. It's like, no, 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 but you – how did you not do that ahead of time? And, I mean, I did not to, again, lead into Star Wars, but that's also a question. <laughs> of, I don't know. 
But in Watchmen, it really felt like Damon Lindelof and his other, I think he had a co-creator and like other good writing staff sat down. They're like, okay, this is Dr. Manhattan's arc. This is um, Ozymandias' arc. Like, here we go. This is what we're getting. Like like a good book. The beginning of the book knows what the end of the book is going to be. Yes. The beginning of this show knew what the last episode was. And yet it still manages to do really cool surprises at you. Yep. And this spoils it a little bit, but just the the first two episodes, you're thinking, oh, this is, this is a story about race and the villains are white supremacists. And it's not that it ultimately isn't in part about race, but that the white supremacists become this tiny, insignificant uh, subplot in the story doesn't feel like they changed their minds it feels like right that was your lead-in but then you see how how like incompetent they are that they're not the thing you should be afraid of like you need to beat them and you need power to do it but let's look at the bigger picture here because they don't even matter like how cool is that it it was so good it was it was really i will say that watchmen and little women um have have really uh cured what ailed me um i felt like i was done real dirty by something this year (laughs) and and those things made me feel a lot better about it good that warms my heart and i'm glad you enjoyed it too i did i know you don't necessarily have a huge love for the source material and like the thing as a whole like it's one of my favorite books i love that movie i think i one of the last shows we recorded i had just rewatched the movie i love it i had no intention of watching the show either yeah it, well, it's, um, you were one of the reasons I watched it because you were uh, speaking so highly of it. I'm like, let me give it a try. And I thought it was going to be crappy. Yeah, I just didn't. I just didn't think I had a desire to watch it. Yeah. And it, it's funny. After I watched it, I reread Watchmen, and I haven't read Watchmen. I think it's been about probably like 12 years since I read it. And rereading it, like, re- I realized, like, wow, I didn't. It was one of those like things where when you read it, and I didn't pay attention to all of it. But rereading it was so interesting after the show. Because it felt to me like a book written by an angry white man. Yeah. <laughs> and I think part of why I've never necessarily been a big fan of both Watchmen and kind of comics and graphic novels, like in general, and this is a broad generalization, and I know there's a million things that don't adhere to this, but all the ones that I think, or a lot of the ones that I've read or have been recommended to me, all ultimately feel like they're written by an angry white man. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's like, it's Rorschach. And Alan Moore seems to be that character. And even the way he, I think, was kind of not a fan of the HBO version just kind of feels like, well, yeah, well, of course you weren't. Because this was re- like, you you see the world through this very, very particular viewpoint. And you're very good at that. And there's a reason why your book has sold millions and why it's been turned into these properties. But isn't it really cool that somebody else took the story and gave it to different people and it opens up in a totally different way <laughs> but while well i still i think that i think that i can get behind your statement that it feels like it was written by an angry white dude but i think the voice for that story is that of an angry white dude for that yes for then yes. for so, that era for that book yeah. absolutely for this but like the ideas that it introduces and like the themes that it plays on are still relevant and really interesting mm-hmm. and it's really it's an artfully crafted book oh, definitely. like it's yeah. it's it's so intentional with its use of panel placement yep. and colors it's it's 
it's phenomenal in my yes. opinion. And I work. Um, hi, Christy. I work <laughs> with comic books, um, and I was told uh, in no uncertain terms that me liking that was stupid, um, huh. and that you don't, you're not supposed to like that. But sorry, just because something got mad popular doesn't mean it's not good. good. By no means, no. It's like it's still good, and I get like that. Sure, it's. It's got a toxic voice in it, but it's also right. got a lot of other amazing fucking things. And and I think that the the show is extremely it, it the, the show is hand in hand with the book. It's not like yeah. it took it's not like it took the ideas and turned it on its head. No. It didn't have to. The ideas were already there. Right. They didn't need to be turned. Like it just the fact that you get you know, a character like Angela Abar, uh, and you get this, I know, you get this robust, amazing story yeah. about this, you know, character that's not represented in that mm-hmm. book. Yeah. Like, but, it, but with these themes that are completely, you know, in line with the source material. I don't know. I, I will read the book again. And I can't wait till this. I will buy, I don't buy television that often. Mm-hmm. I will buy this. I'm going to buy it. There's probably so many like special material out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the it's what I think is really interesting about it is a that Damon Lindelof like just learned a lesson and yeah. like understood. Oh, somebody learned a lesson and somebody didn't this week. That's a mm, fun. I like fun that. Show. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh my god, two people involved in the creation of Lost, no Dude, less. I I was like, I have so many things to say, but basically, a lot of what this uh, what Watchmen ends up dealing with, like generational trauma. Yeah, is. It's it's like fucking poetry. It's beautiful. The way they handle it is beautiful and emotive mm-hmm. and like relevant and, and like oh and my you god. Think of the things they don't have to do in the show. Mm-hmm. Like there's never a threat of sexual violence, for example. Oh like, my god. Think about that. I... Like I, I'm just thinking about that now. Like that normally you always have that. You have you know, and I mean the Watchmen book, like it, that's a major plot lines is yeah. like the whole comedian raping Sally Jupiter, like all of that stuff. And the show, like it never even had to be a thing, like, because there was no need for it to be a thing. And you had these incredible female characters who were not defined by being female. They weren't defined by their relations to men. Like there was a lot of really, really cool mm-hmm. ideas going on there and oh my god Gene Smart on that show um, I'm I'm I am throwing shade and Loki talking about Star Wars right now but oh no. not really <laughs> the the thing that I enjoyed I'm gonna cry probably three or four times during this episode but the thing that I really enjoyed is that a- your Angela is a character unto herself not defined by who she is nope. with nope. not defined by her family nope. but guess what she is with somebody and she does have a family yeah you know, you can do both. It's a family she chose and a family you, she built. And... You you can do both. You don't have to be a fucking island to be a strong character. Yep. yep. And she's not. No. Nope. She's not. Like, and it's so... And even um, the Lori Blake character mm-hmm. is... She, she, like, is vulnerable and misses John. And it's great because you can be strong and awesome, but also be like human. a human... Yeah person with emotions like yep. i don't know yeah. it, 
Oh, hey, everyone, have women in your writer's rooms. It does help, apparently. And women behind the camera. Yeah, Yeah. just have people around to tell different stories because you get different stories from different people. (laughs) Yes, you do. Okay, on that note, we're going to take a quick break so I can save the recording. And we're going to come back and we are diving spoiler face first. Into, so many spoilers into the abysses that are Jellical world and uh, the rise, the rise of, of Jellical. Rise of the Jellicals. Here we go. Remember when actors played humans? Now to bring home a paycheck, I dress up in fur. So I glue on my whiskers, tail, and animal hair. And I grin it, and I bear it with a purr. When I wear my brand new collar, and my fur is all smooth and pat. I love to hear the public holler, I enjoy being a cat. I'd rather do serious dramas, but as long as my paycheck's fat. The show is the cat's pajamas. I enjoy being a cat. The fo- jellicle, jellicle, jellicle. I don't know. I guess I'm a railroad cat. I don't oh, know. I, oh, I am definitely Jenny Any Dots. Oh, Jesus. Uh, here's the thing. Watching that movie, I'm like, watching that scene with Rebel Wilson... And I mean, it, oh my God, this movie, so much to say, but it did dawn on me. I'm like, you know, if I was babysitting some unruly children and I was like trying to like gear them up or like kind of get them to do something, I would probably do exactly what she did in that scene. Oh boy. That's kind of like, yeah. that would be my coping mechanism would be like, I would probably have worn like a hot pant Esther Williams-esque sequined purple outfit underneath my cat suit. And I would take it off at one point to try to get the kids interested. I feel like we need to talk about cats first because I think we're going to go off a deep end as soon as we hit Skywalker. Okay, fair enough. All right. So I, the way my day went was we went to see Skywalker at 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. and the movie ended, and I kind of knew ahead of time. I'm like, oh, you know, Cats is playing at, at the draft house at, like at two. Ah, oh, man, like maybe I want to see it. Like, let me see how I feel after Skywalker. And Skywalker ends and I am in such a bad mood. And I look at Brad and I'm like, well. I'm going to go drink and see cats. He's like, okay, honey, you go do that. Um, so then I got my solo ticket to see cats. And the best, I walk up to the... You saw cats alone? I did! Yes, Jeez, I'm that weirdo. Funny. So I go up to the ticket counter and I say, one for cats, please. And the ticket taker or the, the you know concession guy is like, oh, you're going in, huh? I'm like, yes, I am. I'm like, you guys don't have the good print yet, right? Because you know how one of the yep. big stories about this movie is that they rushed it to theaters and the print that you, if you seen the, saw the movie before, like, I think tomorrow, uh, you saw effects that were unfinished, that a lot of those close-ups of people's human hands were supposed to be cat-ish hands. Um, and so I confirmed, I'm like, you guys don't have that print, right? He's like, no, 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 we still have the old one. I'm like, yes! Um, so I go in, I sit down, I immediately order a drink. Um, I'm the theater I was in was like fairly full and it was mostly like groups of two or three who were there clearly already drunk or high. There Mm -hmm. was one mother with two kids. 
Um, and you knew there were kids there because anytime some somebody got hit in the groin, the little boy laughed really hard. Aww. <laughs> and that happens a lot in this movie. Uh, so what was your, and I think I had like two bourbon co- cocktails while watching this movie. Um, we went, I think, or the weekend it opened. Okay. Um, I had already seen, I, the incident had already happened. Um, <laughs> it had been I, 24 hours since the incident. I, um, no, I, I, it's hard to talk about one without talking about the other. I get it. I get um, it. It's okay I, if they cross over. I will say that I was le- like legitimately depressed, like hard to get out of bed depressed. Mm. Um, and you can think about me, whatever you want, listeners. I don't fucking care, but I was legitimately depressed sure. and I was like, okay, well, I, let's go see this. And, um, it can't make life I, any worse. Can it? I was, I was not influenced in any way. I think Zach was high, um, legal here. So yeah. again, everyone <laughs> no feel judging. very judged right now. Um, so I mean, my cat's in... giving you a dirty look, but she's a little, uh... that's her way. <laughs> Our theater was relatively full. Yes. Not like packed, but like full. Um, as it started, this this feeling came over me of of like you know when you're on a roller coaster and you're at the top and you're like oh no I can't stop this yep 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 that's how I felt I was like oh god this is gonna happen what did I do why did I make this <laughs> they joke? locked the doors in the theater why why and it and it and it started and it didn't didn't stop <laughs> for an hour fifty minutes oh. And you're not a musical fan. Like, I'm at least a musical fan. You this are is, not. We looked at each other, and we were like, what the fuck are we doing? Why did we do this? <laughs> now, had, I, I was I was sad. I don't know. You do strange things when you're sad. I get it. Uh, how, do, you, do you have any familiarity with the musical? No. Zach actually does more so than I. Okay. Um, he explained to me that it was just cats introducing themselves yes. and I didn't really believe him. But then when it turned out that that's all it was, um, I used to watch the Rum Tum Tugger video that was on like MTV and when I was a kid. Okay. I don't know if you had that experience. Apparently not. But my mom, my mom had it on a VHS for me and it's a, the Rum Tum Tugger song, but as a music video. And um, I knew that song. Yeah. You probably knew memory. <laughs> like you must have heard memory in your lifetime. No. Really? Wow. I don't know anything about that. I forget, I forget how weird it is that some people don't know everything there is to know about musical theater and figure skating like I do. I, I, I don't. I mean, I know Cats is a thing. Again, I know Rum Tum Tugger. Um, I knew that th- that people had said that this was a... Uh, they were, people were using very odd poetic language to talk about how bad this movie was. Well, so yeah. I was like, strap in. I mean, it definitely inspired some of the best tweets and commentary of the year, without question. And the thing is, like, Cats as a like, I've never been a big fan of Cats as a musical. It's just not my thing. I've never seen it in person. I was going to ask you that. Yeah, I, I saw, like, on PBS did a thing where they recorded, like, one of the Broadway productions of it. So I've seen it that way. But the thing about Cats was it really was, you know, for there's a lot to say about the fact that it's not very good. But in terms of its importance, for better and worse, for, to musical theater, it's kind of like Star Wars in that way. Cats was the start of the big blockbuster musical. Without Cats, we might not have had Les Mis, we might not have had Phantom of the Opera. Cats is this, you know, weird hybrid of a thing that has appeal to the young and the old. And, like, Cats is one of the things that essentially transformed 42nd Street because it brought Broadway back to being a family thing that everybody could go to that became the hottest ticket in town. 
and it well, ran. It was one of the longest running musicals for a very long time. It it beat Chorus Line, and then eventually it's been beaten by Phantom of the Opera. Like it's very inoffensive and stanceless, right? Like there's it's. So, I mean, it's there. There's a sexy element to it. But oh, there's this also movie not. Was horny. This this movie is incredibly horny. At the same time, it's like, oh, but there's no real sex in it. There's no real relationships in it. Like it's not, you know, you take your kids there because it's like, yeah, they're just cats singing about being cats. And sure, you can watch it and be like, they're sexy ass dancers, and we I see their junk. Or in the case of the movie, I see a lack of junk, and I'm very confused. Um, but as a musical, like it, you know, it was important. It was one of those things where for years. People were trying to make movies of it. Spielberg wanted to make a movie of it. They were going to make an animated movie of it. <sighs> Finally, Tom Hooper's like comes along after Les Mis. It's like, I can do the Cats movie. And it just is such an amazing, like, I love that this movie exists in its form because they don't make bombs like this anymore. They're not ambitious enough to make bombs like this. Yeah, this is a very good point. Yeah, like they go for something. They don't hit it, but man, do they go for it. <laughs> They certainly do. <laughs> um, yeah, there. I mean, it's just bizarre. The, I mean, the, I think the main problem, because honestly, what they do with this story, they do tie this. It's more linear and straightforward storytelling than the play, because the character of Victoria, the kitten who is brought in a burlap sack, and the first I'm watching this, and the first thing I thought of, I'm like, audition. This movie ah! is reminding me of audition, That's and we're only two funny. minutes into this. Um, that character doesn't isn't really a character in the show, so they use her as sort of somebody to tie everything together. So you have this like new element into the Jellico world. So now you have a reason for everybody to be doing these cat shows and explaining cats to them. Um, and in fairness, I'm going to say something. I do not blame a single actor for choices they made in this. No. I certainly don't blame, I think it's Francesca Howard, because I think she's actually, like, she's trying her damnedest to do something and to sell something. And she's just doing ballet the entire time. It's basically what she's doing. Um, And I think, you know what? Good for her, because she gets something done here. Every other actor I felt so bad for, because... I just kept thinking, did any of them know what this was going to look like? I don't, there's no way. Did Idris right? Elba see oh, his Idris. naked genitalless cat suit? That oh. it, he, and here's the thing about it. It's like, it, it's the whole like, oh, Donald Duck doesn't wear pants and, you know, Goofy doesn't wear a shirt. Like, yeah, okay, that's weird, but it kind of like, it's their language, it's fine. But in cats, like, half of the cats are buck naked. The other cats are wearing clothing. But then you have a cat that's wearing clothing and takes off his clothing. Yeah. And how is not that how is that not weird? It is weird. It yeah. was weird. It's so weird. Oi. I think Idris Elba has done dirtiest by the movie. Um I think Rebel Wilson. Oh yeah, that's true. That's pretty bad. Yeah. Well, especially because the thing is, like, you have I don't understand why in hell they would do those two songs the way they did them back to back. So you have Rebel Wilson singing about being a fat, lazy cat. And in the show, she doesn't have to be fat. Like, she's a lazy cat, but it's more just about that. In the movie, you cast Rebel Wilson, you make her oversized, and the entire scene is her singing and, like, eating the cockroaches that are dancing that she has trained to dance. And then you cut right to James Corden playing Buster for Jones, whose song is all about being a fat cat. 
sing a song about being a fat cat in the most like it's like shallow hell fat where it's like oh he's not just fat he eats everything around him that he can touch and it's especially weird because was it like two months ago when Bill Maher made those comments about James Corden and James Corden was like sticking up for the fat community? Oh, I don't <laughs> even know about you that. Know this? Oh, man. Um, so Bill Maher went on this like just stupid Bill Maher rant about like how James Corden is fat and it's unhealthy and it's bad that like <laughs> that like that people watch him. And James he can Corden, shut like, the fuck oh, up. That dude can. ain't allowed oh, to have opinions. And James Corden like gave the statement of like. Look, the thing is, you don't have to tell people, fat people, they're fat. We know we're fat. Like, we live with that. We know that. We're aware of that. Like, we deal with it. We, like, in whatever way it is that, like, you telling me I'm fat doesn't make me not want to be fat. It just makes me sad. And then poor James Corden is in this movie playing a fat cat who's just so fat and can't stop being fat. And it is awful. I, yes, that... Yes. That scene was kind of just dis- that one was disgusting. It too, was. Though. It was because it like looked gross. Like it did. Of- I mean, most of this movie looked pretty gross. The the I, I thought Shimbleshanks the Railway Cat song was was probably the best because it was just tap dancing. I did enjoy that. Yeah. When he did his costume reveal, did your theater gasp the way mine did? No, my I, I was the I'm gonna say. Un- I think mm, I think my theater turned. Mm. Um I think that they were like, "Oh no, what is this?" pretty early okay. on. So there was more like there was like just talking at normal volume and mm. and like no one caring. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. My theater no, was better. I, I didn't. I didn't care either. Oh no, because my theater care. was great. Because everybody was like, mm-hmm. at the same time, you would have a collective, what? And then like you had some people that were cheering. You had, and nobody was obnoxious. Like nobody was catcalling. <laughs> catcalling. Like <laughs> nobody was doing that. Like I uh-huh. think people were conscious that there was a like a kid or two in the audience, but it was just that collective. Like every now and then, like when Mr. Mistopheles is singing, and like again, like you're kind of into the song. It's a good song. And then he, like, the camera closes up on him doing a little finger thing. And you're looking at his fingers, which are just human fingers. Yeah. The entire crowd just, like, immediately everybody just started ah, at the same time. It was it, something. I, so my takeaways, I'll never watch it again, ever. Um, my takeaways were it was somehow extremely long and extremely short um yep i don't know how i felt (laughs) like it was a two hour long invocation i felt like somebody put a spell on me oh definitely did it was so fucking weird and i am i feel very blessed to have um gotten to experience that firsthand i i did like and i did feel like the more i mean the movie came out what christmas day and it was, like, Friday when I started thinking, like, you know, I feel like I am missing out on something if I don't go see this in the theater. <laughs> and bless me, I did. And it it was an experience. It's one of those things that this is going to be a movie that I'm a, I am genuinely surprised that it is doing as poorly as it is. And I know this makes me sound dumb. But no, nothing. Just because the thing is, like, Mamma Mia made how many millions of dollars, 
And Cats is such a recognizable property. And I don't know if it's really gone overseas yet. Because there's a chance that this is going to be one of those movies that ends up, like, doing great overseas. I don't know. But that you didn't have that, like, built-in audience that I thought would be there. And then the flip of that, and I wouldn't be surprised if Box Office was better in its second week than it was in its first. Because it definitely felt like everybody that, that I went to see this movie with... Um, everybody that went there aside from the one family was there to watch a train wreck. Mm-hmm. And the fact that people would spend 15 bucks to go do that is not that common anymore. Yeah. I forget. Did you see um, Gaspar Noy's uh, climax? No. Oh, you need to see it because it is essentially cats without the LSD, but with like catnip. Basically when Taylor Swift comes out and catnips everybody, and then there's like this weird sexy dance. I'm watching it. I'm like, this is Climax. This is the movie Climax, only without the murder. But there is murder, right? Yeah. I, I, well, we watched a, um, like a, a most underrated, and um, Climax was on it. And I was like, oh, we should really watch it. You, you should, especially now, because if I tell you, watch that movie and just imagine everybody being a cat but like a wildly out of scale cat that doesn't actually look like a cat at all. And mm-hmm. you're going to be like, wait a minute, did I just see cats? Because it's really the same movie in its own way. Interesting. Yeah. Well, it's, it's officially made the list. So oh, yeah. I, I will, I will seek it out. Good, good. Um, how did your theater do when in the last scene, Judy Dench looks straight at you into your soul and says, and now you know what a jellical cat is. I, can't say that there for I don't remember there being a reaction but I didn't like it personally <laughs> I feel like you heard everybody be like what the fuck because she looks right at you and no matter where you're sitting in the audience she's looking right at you and she's like now you know what a jellical cat and you're like no I don't no. know I'm no closer to knowing what a jellical cat is I don't know the irony is I don't know and a, a cat is not a dog okay I got that part Great. But a cat Thank is you. also not a clarify. cat in this movie. Nobody looks like no. a cat. Oh, God. Because I'm, I'm, like, staring at my cat right now. I'm sitting. Thank you, Angelique, for, like, posing for me. She's sitting right next to me. And I'm staring at her proportions and, like, the size of her head to her shoulders and her cat-like paws, which are not fingers. And it, I, I, I just – I don't understand. I get the aspect of they wanted to do it live action. I respect that. I think the reason they wanted to do that was because Cats is very much a property in part about dancing, and they wanted to retain that. That's mm-hmm. great. How did they not have any better idea than you're going to have, like, cat ears, and maybe you'll wear a fur cat coat, and maybe you're just going to be a naked cat. And we're going to make the world bigger at times, but not always. Like, are they in a cat land, or are they in a human land? I don't I don't know if there's an answer for that. I know. Like because there's humans in the world, right? In the opening scene there's a human. Yes, there is. But the whole like the world seems to be scaled to like oh they're cats in a human world. Well, but then why are there posters for McCavity? Like is does McCavity have like a human counterpart who is also wanted and has like a Blade Runner-esque sign in the middle of Times Square? I read something about their scale and that we're like supposed to be like loosey-goosey about it and it's all like interpretive and stuff which is fair except it's not (laughs) because it's just so disturbing Mm -hmm. 
again, I'm glad they made this. I really hope they do something similar with like some other property that I'm not the biggest fan of, basically, is what I want them to do. Um, it was an experience. I think everybody should go out and see it if they haven't already, because you're not going to get much like it. No, it was... It was something. It was something. Uh, I don't know if it was something good, but it was something. <laughs> um, do you have any more to say about cats? I I don't think it can be overstated how weird it is. Yeah, in the like I thought like oh it's not gonna be oh it is right. oh okay. I felt the same way. Like I'm going <laughs> into this movie thinking, come on, folks, I'm the person that I'm the person who made it my life mission to get others to see Nutcracker in 3D. You're going to give me something bigger than that? And I watched it and I'm like, they might have. They, they really did. very well might have. Oh, boy. <sighs> All right. Are you ready to mm. go back a long sure. time ago? A galaxy far, far mm. away. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I don't know her. I don't know that <laughs> galaxy. Yeah. All right. We're, uh, we're diving in to The Rise of Skywalker. I I want to hear again. Everybody, we're spoiling by this point. Like John Boyega spoiled it in Twitter, apparently. So we're not that mother. I'm not gonna... okay. <laughs> oh God, we have so much, so much to say. Um, first, tell me now, just to give everybody a background. Like I'm a lifelong Star Wars fan. I'm so excited to talk to you about this because you have you have two ends of the spectrum. Totally here. different, yeah. And for me, it was just I grew up like like I we were both born in '82, so we were a little past the Star Wars generation, but for me, I had older brothers, we had all the toys, we had all the movies, I watched them on loop. The second Ewok movie as a kid was no joke, my favorite movie in the world, and I would watch it every day. Um, When the special editions came out in the 90s, like, I was there first thing, I, like, I was the person who would, like, talk about a Yoda tattoo when everybody was like, what the fuck is Yoda? And those are, of course, all the people now who are like, baby Yoda avatars on Facebook, but whatever. Um... My high school reunion comes up this year, and it's like one of those I keep just keep thinking about these things. But anyway, so lifelong Star Wars geek, all of that. I saw the prequels and kind of had a weird experience with them because I feel like I was young enough where I wasn't willing to hate anything. Mm-hmm. So the first one comes, and I'm like, I okay, that was a movie. By the time Attack of the Clones comes out, I'm like, you know what? This movie gave me a lot of different things that it's also terrible, but it gave me things that I really like. And... So it was kind of a weird limbo of Star Wars for a while for me. When Force Awakens comes out, I go to see it with my husband, who's also a lifelong Star Wars fan, and we both love it. Like, we're both sobbing, I am deeply moved, all of that. Last Jedi comes out, I go, I really like it. Um, I see it again, and I like it more, and I watch it the week, the night before I go see Rise of the Skywalker, and I fucking love it. And I, this we'll, we'll talk about, obviously. Um, but so that's kind of been my journey, if you will. So I went into mm-hmm. Rise of Skywalker knowing by the time I was going in without like really looking up stuff. I didn't read anything about it, but it was impossible not to hear the energy of people. Oh um, boy, Emily. Yeah. I went in knowing I am probably going to be disappointed that nobody I know is thrilled about this and people who know what I want out of it have yep. kind of looked at me and been like, yeah, I don't, I don't know how much you're going to like it. And I'm like, yeah, I, Ray is going to be related to somebody and uh, this is not going to work for me, but uh, I'm going to give it my give it my chance. Like maybe it'll work, maybe it'll work. And I go to see it, and um, that's where I'll leave my story. You have a different yes. journey. Yes, I, I think I've already gone over it on this show. Just real quick, give us a refresher. I was, I was not a Star Wars 
dope. I knew what it was. I knew the movies. I think I had seen all of them at least once. Never felt any connection. Couldn't get into it. Um, it was. I used to say it's the only fandom I don't speak. Like mm. I could. I can talk to anybody about anything. I just don't. I never really got sure. it. I get it. Uh, and and it they didn't just, have much for women, I'll tell you that much. No, and it wasn't for lack of trying. It just, I just felt like it was never, I never connected to it. Um, Zach and I watched Force Awakens on a, on a plane, and I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. And I felt fine about it. Um, it. But again, I felt like this is not for me. Sure. Like, I, 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 it's okay. I'm, now I'm too old. That's mm-hmm. what I felt. I'm too old now. And then Zach went to see TLJ with his work so not me um and he was like i think you'll like this now at this point i was already um a ryan johnson super fan okay like he was one of my favorite directors bloom and brick yep love love loved him looper loved him um when i heard he was making a star war i mourned i Mm. went oh well i guess i don't get ryan johnson for a while sure whatever um, but Zach was like, no, I think you'll like it. So we watched it and I was like, oh, I like this. Mm-hmm. And then I kept thinking about it and then I watched it again and I was like, oh no, I really like this. <laughs> and then for about like a year and a half, I slowly slipped down a well of, I am I, to a point where I became obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. I became obsessed with it. Um, it was so fucking wonderful and it made me when i went back and watched force awakens i went oh well now i like this a lot this is good i like this Mm -hmm. it's no tlj but i like it and um since that happened i've think we've gone through all the movies twice okay um except for the ewok movies except for the ewok movies but all the 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 different what like you know with the with the solo and all that um and it made me I that was my door. I got to I got to I got invited into this world and I actually started to understand it. I have seen the prequels three times each now. Wow. One of the last time the last time I watched it, I actually knew what was gonna happen in like I knew what happens in each one and I knew what their names were. It was the first <laughs> fucking time I was able to retain that information. The, I mean so, the names aren't short typically. And then, like, I don't know which one's which and which one. But, like, I fi- like I finally got it. So I'm online. I have, a, I have a separate Twitter account. I'm on what they call Stan Twitter. Um, so I'm on Star Wars Twitter. And all I do is follow accounts that are obsessed with mm-hmm. these movies and with this stuff. So I, for about six months, have been, like, an underground operative. I've been deeply entrenched in this world. <laughs> like, reading reading fan fiction but also reading like theories they call them metas where they explore what the themes and what the you know the movies are going to be and i got into i started listening to podcasts Mm and i mean you're you are very smart so you obviously know this one of george lucas's big thing was joseph campbell and the hero's journey and um so i started i started reading a lot of joseph campbell and getting into like the structure of myths and of those journeys and i and many others became we we adopted the belief that Ray was going to go on the heroine's journey, which okay. Maureen Murdoch wrote about. I have that book, and it is set up for her to take the heroine's journey, and it's really exciting because mainstream media doesn't do that. It doesn't. It doesn't do that. How is the heroine's journey different from a hero's journey? 
Um, what are some of the kind of the tenets it, of it? It's more about embracing life and family and nature and like you know becoming a whole female and what that means with all of it not just like not the male version of it which is okay. just getting to your the, the the hero's journey is a lot of just getting to your location mm. the 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 I'm I'm distilling it I'm not doing it any sure. favors but the heroine's journey is a lot of becoming more of a whole person okay um so we we a lot of us were of that mind and we believed that and a lot of the early footage seemed to be pointing that way mm-hmm. um we felt that like it was setting a lot of stuff up uh the reintroduction of palpatine was odd but uh, i'm i'm still on board i was okay. still on board sure because i'm i'm pro palpatine theoretically um because you've watched the prequels three times and you're like he is the best thing in the prequels he is the best thing yeah. in the prequels he is the, the revenge of the sith is the best one and he is the best anyways i love mace windu so back on track so i am also of a mind that they have been setting up since the beginning that kylo and ray a, a romance i'm okay. of that mind. i believe <clears throat> that i feel that i feel like that is very true people do not believe that and that's fine i'm i'm mixed on it and after this movie i'm completely against it but we'll, we'll um that yes so the I way believe, this movie executes it rather i believe the seeds were sown in tfa although not explicit i do feel like it was borderline explicit in tlj but that's fine mm-hmm. no matter what i believe when ryan johnson says that those two characters are two parts of the same whole they are dual protagonists i believed that sure I believe they were dual protagonists. I was chilling with a bunch of people that really felt like if their relationship does not happen, then this new movie is a failure for me. I did not feel that way. Mm. My, I will, I will, spoilers abound. My stance was if they kill Ben Solo, this movie is undone for me. Uh. That is not the way that these movies should go from a storytelling perspective. But it's so much easier to do it that way, Christine. Don't you understand? (laughs) When I tell you the amount of ex- expanded universe materials I've ingested, I've read half a dozen books in the last three months. I've I've read like dozens of comic books. Ben Solo did nothing wrong. He was an abused kid. It is canon. It is canon material that he did not burn down the school in The Last Jedi. He did not do it. He was manipulated by Snoke. All this shit. So I am of the mind that you do not kill somebody that you've canonically set up as an abused child. That's me hanging out over here, feeling that way. So I I know the premiere is on a Monday because I am, I am that person. Mm-hmm. So I come off Twitter. I come off all of Twitter. Um, I put up, I put up mutes. I block accounts. I, I'm, I am going to go into this thing. Yeah. Going to go into it fresh. Tuesday morning, I, I, I go onto my, my main Twitter, which should be safe because I've blocked all these words. Somebody says, well, at least he's okay. And it's a picture of baby Yoda. And I went, Oh my fucking God, what happened? So the whole day I'm like, what happened? Something bad happened. And you can, you, like you said, you can feel the tone. Yeah. Even though there's nothing, I'm not saying mm-hmm. anything explicit. There's yep. a, there's a tone because Tuesday was the, was the critic screening. Yes. I was like, okay, 
so I messaged, I DM'd one of like one of the Stan Twitter folks that I'm friends with, and I said, "Do you know the plot?" And she said, "Yeah, I know everything. Do you what What do you want to know?" And I was like, "You need to tell me if Ben Solo dies." <laughs> she said, "Do you really want to know?" And I was like, "Yep." So she's like, "Yeah, he dies," and uh-huh. and I was like, "I don't want to see this movie." Yeah. At this point, I don't see it. So then I go whole, like whole hog. I know everything at this point. Oh. I know, I know, <laughs> you know, I know everything yep. going in. I've seen screenshots, like like shots of the literal theater screen. I know what's going to happen. So, so we have tickets for Thursday night mm-hmm. at five p.m. I don't want to go. It feels like I'm going to a funeral. <laughs> like I'm sorry to be dramatic, but I, like I, 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 I'm with dread i don't want to see it i don't want to see it but we go because who knows maybe i still like a fucking idiot still have faith that the story might be told in a way that makes sense Mm -hmm. um boy was that that was your first mistake (laughs) that was my first mistake um so yeah i i sat through this movie now and you did you have tickets for it twice canceled the second one you canceled the second okay i don't want to give them any more yeah. of my attention yeah um and i went in again knowing no specifics but but kind of feeling the energy of it's not making people happy and people that know me know i'm not going to be happy yep. which means ray's well, got to be related to somebody you had said to me a while ago mm-hmm. on this very mm-hmm. show you know you don't want you don't want ray nobody to be undone I said, all like, I want from this movie is for Ray to be a nobody. That's all I wanted. I didn't care wanted, what else they did. You wanted that, and I wanted, I wanted my redemption for yeah. my character. Mm-hmm. I, I'm claiming him. He does not belong to Disney anymore. Um, so I, knowing that that's what you wanted, I was like, oh. Yes. Yep, yep. Like um, <laughs> the night before this movie released, they released the first of a four series comic, uh, the rise of Kylo Ren, wherein it is revealed Ugh. that Snoke is the one who burnt down the Jedi school. What was the fucking point? Of the, that was the question that I asked the entire movie. What was the point of that? What, what was, was the point, point of that? What was the point of that? Because the amount of times something happens or a MacGuffin is introduced or a plot points there and for it to be made a big deal of, and then not to matter. Now, in fairness, I know somebody at home is saying, yeah, but couldn't you say that about The Last Jedi and the whole, no. and all of the the Rose and Finn stuff and the whole mission and, you know, um, Poe's constant failures. Like, no, no, no. Yes, those didn't work. That didn't mean they were there for nothing. Those didn't work, and that was the point of them. The point of Poe fucking up over and over again and being schooled by these women who looked at him and said, just because you're brave and daring doesn't mean you know how to be a leader. And I'm here to tell you that you're not a leader. You're fucking up. You cost people their lives in the opening scene of Last Jedi. And that doesn't mean you get to then do it again. You need to learn that when you fuck up, there are there are consequences that you don't know everything and that you just can't keep aiming blindly and hitting stuff. And Laura Dern knows that in Jedi and Carrie Fisher and Princess Leia, no, General Leia, know that in, in Last Jedi. Those storylines are there not necessarily for plot. They don't really, you're right, they don't advance the plot, but they're there to give something 
weight and depth and a theme that you never thought of in these movies because you never had to. It always worked out. The crazy mission was always going to be okay because the Millennium Falcon could do anything. And in The Last Jedi, that's not true. And boy, isn't that brave and isn't that different and isn't that something there? Cut to Skywalker. Nothing Poe does is wrong. Poe makes every decision Poe makes is the right decision. He is never challenged. He's never, you know, he has self-doubt, but it doesn't matter because he's like, well, I guess we have to do it. And they do it and it works out. There, the entire, there is a book called um, Resistance Reborn that is a, a lead-in to this, which I read. I paid money to read. Um <laughs> That is all about Poe coming to terms with the fact that he got all of those people on his squad killed, all of those bombers killed, mm-hmm. and it should is he even worthy of be, being, you know, being a leader anymore? What what was the point of that? Yeah, well, I think the point was J.J. Abrams did not want to like. There's been a lot. I mean, obviously, he's been asked about it. And he's tried to be very, like, very quote-unquote respectful like no we love that ryan johnson introduced these elements we loved this we loved all that it you know but for our movie we felt we had to close it out this way blah blah blah. it everything about this movie says he fucking hated last jedi (laughs) there are and i've read arguments that 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 say this is not true but they he not only retconned tlj he retconned his own fucking movie yeah and Just straight up. Yeah. There's interviews out there with um, the other screenwriter, Chris Terrio, who is like being very cautious about what he says and how he says it. And I read two separate interviews with him that basically asked him about Ray's parents. And the first interview was a Rolling Stone interview before the movie came out. Mm-hmm. And that's the one I think you probably saw I put on Twitter where like the interviewer who hasn't seen Skywalker is like, yeah, so that was, you know, really affected people and people love that. And so, you know, curious what that means for this movie and the way he has to sidestep that because he's not just like, yeah, there's more to it than you think. He's like, yeah, we realize that that meant a lot to people because it kind of said you didn't have to be of noble lineage to be powerful. But we think we did something different with that. It's like, no, you fucking said the only way, um, a person, especially a woman, can be great and powerful as if she is born of somebody great and powerful. So fuck yes. you with yep. two middle fingers sticking up at you. And it's true of so many other things in this movie. Yeah, this movie, and uh, stand by this uh, with my last breath, this movie was made to please people who did not did, like. Oh, completely. Yeah. It, it, yep. that, it, it exists in that for that purpose in that world alone. That's the yeah. only reason it exists. Um, Rose is not in this Yeah, movie. I was going to say, let's... let's they they yeah. say, hey, Rose, want to come on an adventure? And she goes, no, I'm just going to hang out here. Yeah, um, uh, you know, General Organa asked me to stay. And apparently, based on the screenwriter, we filmed scenes together, but they couldn't make the CGI work. So instead, bye, guys. And he, he, has, he had to issue a retraction. because <gasps> Or a clarification, rather. Because, and... and Pardon my language, but a uh, clarification in which he <clears throat> he sucks the dicks of industrial light um, because I, ILM's mm. perfect. ILM does right, a great right. job. ILM would never. They're they're wonderful, bro. What? Why the fuck did you try to make it seem like it was somebody else's fault then? Yeah, yeah. which is a hundred percent what he did. Sure, it's everybody else's fault. It's somehow Ryan Johnson's fault, but also Carrie Fisher's fault, but also somehow Kelly Marie Tran's fault. Mm-hmm. I don't know who. Maybe it's your fault because you you didn't like that people didn't like this character. Yep. yep. Um, you want to hear something very funny? Because I think it just speaks to the different 
I think, worlds that are out there. Um, so the end of the movie, Brandon liked the movie. My, my husband, lovely man, um, with good taste most of the time. Um, you know, this movie ends and I just sit there and, and he's like, I'm satisfied. And I look at him, I'm like, I'm furious. He's like, okay, we'll talk about that later. And so, you know, yesterday we were, we were talking about it and I was just, you know, kind of ranting and having my piece. And he really, he was like, I wasn't thinking about a lot of these things during the movie. And when I started going off on, you know, this poor young actress who dealt with hell and had internet trolls on her every day, only for her to then have her character reduced to nothing and all of this shit about Ray being a Mary Sue. And Brandon's looking at me like I'm speaking a different language because he's like, what's a Mary Sue? And and it really was this moment of realizing because my husband is smart and does not play in the internet worlds that I dip my toes in. Mm-hmm. Like he had no idea about any of this. He did not know that people hated Last Jedi. He did not know about all of the anti-Rose stuff or all of the anti-Ray stuff or like, like he just had no idea that was ever a thing. And it's funny to me to kind of realize in a way, like the various different places I think all of us end up being with the entertainment world in a sense, Mm. because I never, I kind of stayed out of it. Like when all that stuff was happening, I really didn't read stuff that was just going to piss me off. Um, But it's impossible not to know if you pay much attention that Kelly Marie Tran was treated like shit by awful human beings and Russian trolls. Mm -hmm. And then to know that, that is the thing that probably made J.J. Abrams and Chris Terrio say, we don't really need Rose here. So let's, you know, no, we'll, we'll, we'll write a scene with her here. Like, except it didn't make any sense. Like, and then at least from a story point of view, you think of, would those scenes have been better with Rose? I don't know. They weren't very good to begin with. So why not? Well, that's, that's the, that's the problem. I can sit here all day and tell you the, the out of character decisions, the things that made no, but what, what would it matter if they were in character or if something did line up better? The movie as a whole was a fucking nightmare of a mess. It made no sense. They rushed to get it out. They were still editing it apparently in November. Yeah. And anything. And I know again, like there's been people saying like, Oh, well, you know, were these, was this planned? Was was this story planned? Is this where it was going to go? And obviously, no. like, look, Carrie Fisher wasn't supposed to die. That yeah. Who knows how that changed things? But sure, there are elements that obviously were not meant to be- land the way they did. And people say, well, you know, Star Wars obviously wasn't like that either, because otherwise, why would Luke and Leia have kissed on the lips twice? Yeah, true. Star Wars is also, as a three-movie franchise, imperfect in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. When they approach this movie... The thing that just kind of boggles my mind is I don't think they ever planned for Ray to to be anyone. I don't think nope. it's really a thing in the first movie. She's an orphan. Nope. And Ryan Johnson in the second one makes it really powerful that she's an orphan. Yep. And I my theory is purely they got to the third movie and were like, hey, I wonder if Ian McDiarmid would come back. Yeah, he's he's available. He'll come back. Okay, let's bring him in. How do we tie that together? I don't know. Why don't we uh, make him related to Ray? Because if I, think I... I even said it to you a few months ago when they released the first trailer and said, "Oh, Palpatine's back," I was like, "Fuck, he's going to be Ray's grandfather." And well, then I tried to push that out of my mind. And you, know. you want some hearsay and some rumors and some offhand comments? I want all of it. 
Matt Smith was supposed to be in this movie. Hmm. Um, Matt Smith was supposed to be, again, rumors, hearsay, and offhand comments. He was supposed to be the big bad. Hmm. Okay. And I believe Ian McDermott's voice was the only thing that was supposed to be in it. Um, I believe that bringing Palpatine back... I don't know if they brought Palpatine back to be Ray's grandfather, but I believe they made Palpatine's Palpatine Ray's grandfather to shut people up. Yeah. So I don't think it was planned no. at all. I, I don't necessarily think he was planned to come in, but then you, you like you said, you get into that little that weird area of like, well, obviously the third movie is not what they planned because they lost an integral yeah, part a key of it. Part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but. I Matt Smith was supposed to be in the movie isn't in the movie look man one day I'll find out hopefully what the fuck happened yeah. because I want to know I want to know so hard um, well, you think of to, to think of the like the villain arc of who is the villain right so in episode one you have Snoke established as like the emperor basically yeah and you know uh, Ben Solo is basically Darth Vader and in two the brilliant move of that movie is that's not at all right you um kylo kills snoke and says let the past die and you leave that movie thinking whoa what's gonna happen in the next movie our villain is ben so is now ben solo or kylo ren he what is he gonna do he can do anything he whatever he does is gonna be complicated and loaded with things and we know he's not you know pure evil because we know there is this there, there's this human spark there. We know he still cares about his mother. Like, we know there is this connection with with Ray, whatever that is. And boy, was I excited to come into the third film and see him as the big bad. Because how, what do you do with that? Is he defeated? Does he change his heart? I don't know. Like, there's so many things that we haven't seen before. Or you could just seemingly at the last minute, and the way it's crammed in there. Mm -hmm. never in the first two movies is the word Palpatine even said in the first two movies. If you're coming into this franchise, like as if this is your first three star Wars movies, do you have any fucking idea who this character is? That's suddenly there. Um, How does Ray know who Palpatine is? She didn't know who Luke was. That's a really good question. A year and a half ago. Yeah. Like she's heard the name Luke Skywalker. Has she heard Palpatine? Like probably is like, Oh, that's the guy that I think my Luke Skywalker killed. Like, it's like, I don't know thing. Like yeah. Oscar Isaac looks at the camera and says Palpatine's back somehow. <laughs> That's it. He is introduced in the crawl. Like the equivalent of that looks- for us would be like I'm, I'm trying to think of what that would be. I don't know. Maybe one of us finding out. Like, did you know Jade Edgar Hoover is back from the dead? Wait, what does that mean exactly? I don't think it means yeah. anything. <laughs> What? How? I don't know. He's in this weird football stadium right, with all these people. They're not going to explain those people. And like he's so, in this Hellraiser two esque connection to you know power him. Who powered him? Who raised him for the dead? Even energy. You don't need to know that. The, the frustrating thing is, even with all these elements that seem like they came out of nowhere or weren't what you expected, you could still kind of do something interesting with them. Nothing interesting is done because this is a choose-your-own-adventure movie. Yeah. Um, no stance is ever taken. Can I tell you something? I truly believe that. Uh, they go, oh, guess what? You're a Force Dyad. What does that mean? Well, it kind of means you're Star Wars soulmates. Well, what does that mean? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> oh, Yes, okay. And. Yes, and. So if Ray and Ben are a Force Dyad, 
boy, that's what I want. That's what I wanted. Them to be two halves of the same whole. How interesting and fun that is. Oh, wait, except it means absolutely nothing. Well, then why did you introduce it? Because it's a choose-your-own-adventure and because we know some of you wanted them to be connected. Well, why did they kiss? Because some of you thought that they should. Well, why did he die? Because some of you wanted him to. (laughs) Um, What? Why? Yeah, the the showdown with the Emperor. And just to, like, stay on him for a minute. Okay, so he's back from the dead for reasons undisclosed. Why? What is his perp? His goal? His goal? Oh my god! Is... He changes it forty-five times. Can you tell me? Oh my god! His goal is for Ray to kill him. Now, granted, Return of the Jedi, the Emperor's goal is for Luke to strike him down in anger. Okay, so again, kind of a repeat of a movie that not everybody liked to begin with, but fine, sure, okay, sure. So Ray needs to kill him so that his spirit can go into Ray. Okay. Why didn't Why didn't he try this with his own son? One wonders oh, aloud and wait, then realizes that... Right, yeah. because that's his son, who we have never heard about no. in nine fucking movies. Seems like never he'd be an mentioned. important guy. Yeah. But yeah. he didn't try it on his son because, I don't know, the movie doesn't want to talk about that. Yeah. But that's fine. Back, sure. back to yeah. his granddaughter, so who his... he hasn't been trying to find. Right, no, so his I granddaughter guess. doesn't kill him. Um, And then when his granddaughter's dryad whatever you want to call him comes he's like oh wait a minute you don't have to kill me i can kill both of you and then the same thing happens okay is that the rule right now in this i don't apparently it is yeah but but question again i'm i'm just going to point out all the things that make no sense in this movie which is kind of stupid because the whole thing doesn't make sense but if ray is his granddaughter and she has the power to kill him and he can come back in her or not or whatever then why is he every voice that ben solo's ever heard in his head why is ben even in this yeah why why didn't he he waste his time with ben why didn't he go for ray why all of a sudden can he find ray when ray's just been hanging out on jakku for 19 years yeah pretty easy to find all in all i and i I like that that oh no her parents Oh, I didn't lie to you. Your parents were nobody because they chose to be nobody because <laughs> they essentially sold you into slavery. Pardon? For your protection. We are, we are in a world that has established that we just hand babies to other people. Oh, yeah. Why didn't they just hand this baby to somebody nice? Oh, no, they sold her. Uh, the the thing about... Uh, God, there's, there's so much still to say. The... <laughs> bless my god adam driver that that man and i know you're right you have always said it i didn't always see it i see it now i saw it with the first i'm like yeah like this guy's got something what that what that would have been and i think you know what that would have been it would have been hayden christensen if you can picture an actor that isn't of his caliber and his caliber is so fucking off the roof for an actor to try to sell that it would have been as bad as Hayden Christensen as Anakin. So a lot of things have, let's, let's, let's get to my boy. So basically what they do is they regress the Kylo Ren character. They give him back his helmet for no apparent reason. Oh, because fanboys didn't like that. He got rid of it, I think. Which is great. So he gets his helmet again. And again, he's regressing. They've regre- they've regressed Ray too, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. But they regress him. He's mean. Mm-hmm. He's manipulative. He's never been manipulative with her. 
Yeah. That's fine. That's fine, though. So he's manipulative. He's he's kind of a jerk. But, like, I'm... Okay, fine, whatever. This is, this is for some reason what this movie has chosen to do. Chosen to make him a jerk. Great. Then, again, in ways that don't make any sense... He he randomly decides at the ver in the third act that he's not Kylo Ren anymore, that he's Ben Solo. I will never forgive these filmmakers for taking that away from me. Mm. He has one line of dialogue as Ben Solo. He says ow. But <laughs> they, they don't let him be but but yet he is still transcendently good he's so good and so sweet and so handsome and so wonderful and you go to yourself self why didn't they do that in the first act so he could have spent the whole movie trying to gain people's trust and atone for what he did and prove that he was really manipulate whatever what have you yeah no you redeem him but you don't do anything with him so what was the point well they redeemed so that he could save Ray, but Ray saved him, and then he saved Ray. Right? Isn't that happening? And if they're a dyad, why is one able to die and the other yeah, isn't? I don't know. It, it makes... didn't work that way in Dark Crystal. I don't know how so, it works here. Thank you. These movies are essentially Dark Crystal. Very much. I digress. Without I digress. A hunt. Yeah. So there is there is a tinfoil hat conspiracy theory that they decided to kill him in editing. Oof. Oh my god, I can't wait for everything to really come out about this movie. Look, I'm going to tell you, I think it's possible. I can I can kind of see it, yeah. Because what we uh, this movie is a fucking mess. Yeah. But Ray doesn't even acknowledge that he dies. Nope. Nope. Yeah. And like we were talking about with It, um, because they never explicitly say anything, there are now people convinced that they are cousins <laughs> or that they somehow are brother and sister. I don't look. I don't know. Yeah. That they are related. And that was a thank you kiss. So first of all, I hated the kiss. Can I? Did you hate the kiss because it was unearned and came out of nowhere? Um, in part, I think I think their relationship from the beginning has been like just fascinating. And yeah, there is absolute sexual chemistry romantic energy between the two because a you have I, I bet adam driver is one of those actors who has like sexual chemistry with like steve gutenberg like he is a like he i mean he has like sexual chemistry with um donald gleason like he is just that kind you know, of actor. honestly it's true tlj yeah. is a is a horny movie oh my god yes but yeah oh yes yeah but so <laughs> there's that aspect and i think yeah. like I'm not saying that they don't have a deep love between them and that part of that isn't romantic and that, yes, had they lived, they would have ruled on a throne together and all of that. But the other part of me is this is this is unearned. This doesn't feel I think of like this is a weird analogy, but I think it kind of works. The Dawn of the Dead remake mm-hmm. um, is I've got on record as I really hate the extended director's cut because I think a it has a bunch of weird homophobic moments in it. Um, it has weird pacing issues, but there is one scene that I hate so much in the original theatrical cut when um, the character of Michael gets bit. Spoiler alert: that movie he gets bit by a zombie at the very end, and he like they're sending off the survivors on a boat, and um, Sarah Polly's like, "Come with us." He's like, "No, I can't," and he shows her he got bit. And she's like, no, oh my god, like, it's this great moment of these two characters who 
we've seen like have like clearly start to fall in love but it's a very quick love and so like we don't really know what's behind it and in the theatrical cut he like he kisses her hand and pushes pushes the boat away and stands there and like they just say goodbye with their eyes and it's fucking sexy in the extended cut there's an added scene where the two of them when they're like prepping for exit they kiss and then when he leaves i think he also kisses her and he just kill it just turns it into this boring Mm -hmm. yeah you two found each other because you're both desperate in the zombie apocalypse and there was romance and blah blah whereas without that it's this like weird chivalrous kind of it's really sexy when they don't kiss when they don't have that moment and he just has to say goodbye and that's kind of what i felt with this movie them kissing these are two hot actors who when they kiss i should feel something and i'm watching it and i'm just like Because it doesn't work in that context. I don't think that's the moment where they kiss. That's the moment where they look deep into each other's eyes and then he dies. Like, if you're going to kill him, have it that way. Well, what if she kissed him after he came back to life? Wait, how, doesn't, isn't that what she does? Oh, wait. No, but like, for good. Like, oh, and then he stays alive. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it changes the whole movie because then what comes after that, I don't know. They're supposed to be on... I don't even want to get into her being on Tatooine. Oh, that makes me want to fling myself in front of a bus. <laughs> honestly. Honestly. But apparently, the, maybe they were there together at the end. I don't know. Oh, because I've seen well, some things of like how... Injection. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that would have worked. Th- that could have worked. I, I do not disagree with you. I would be I would be absolutely demolished if I said this in mixed company, but I I too do not think the kiss was earned. Do yeah. I think that they were supposed to be together? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Do I think that that's what Ray wanted? Yes, I do. She explicitly says it in this movie, she does. but that's yeah. fine. Do I think that Ray deserved that? Yes, I think she fucking did. Yeah. Because this is the problem and this is where this movie broke its contract with me. It did not take her on a journey. She mm-hmm. did not get to become a woman in it. No. She went back to a desert planet with her hair up in buns in virginal white like a little girl forever. Mm. With with a fucking droid that wasn't even hers. Why was yeah. she with BB-8 at the end? I, I did wonder that. Especially because when she does meet that other droid, it seems like they have That's... like an instant connection. The little Coney droid. Well, the implication is that Dio was her droid. What do you mean? When she was a kid. Oh, right. That would have made sense. I mean, it's stupid because, again, I hate everything about her background in this movie. But that's a really good point. Yeah, that would have made more sense. Like, like, BB-8's pose droid. Yeah. Um, Look, I don't know why she's with BB-8. But anyways, basically the whole point of TLJ is is to move these characters forward. Ben takes off his helmet. Ray... Her hair comes half down. She wears more earth tones. If you watch the original trilogy, that Leia goes on a same journey. She ends up with her hair down, wearing earth tones, embracing nature and embracing her femininity. That's the journey that Ray was on. But oh, guess what? No, she's a kid again because I'm J.J. Abrams and I hate sex. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, that's I'm it's interesting. That. That's not even a part that bothered me because I don't know what my like goal for Ray was aside from her being a nobody and that's that fucking killed me because that moment when Palpatine says to her you're nothing but a scavenger it's like 
oh my god how powerful was that in the second movie when we found that out it doesn't mean anything because she's not just a scavenger she's your fucking granddaughter and that's why she's apparently powerful but i digress yep. i think everybody because, knows how i feel about her powers are genetic now yeah oh completely so therefore all of us who weren't born of emperors will never be one with the force because of that although um well I'll, I'll, let me just put a pin in that because i do need to talk about finn in that regard but first yeah. um what was my ultimate journey for Ray? I don't know. I don't know that I wanted her at the end holding hands with Ben Solo with a pregnant belly. Like, I don't think that's where I think I would have, I mean, if done right, that could have been fine. I, I guess I hadn't thought it through as neither did anybody making the movies of where do you take this character? What is her end place? Is she now running a Jedi school? Is she now... You know, living. I would have very much liked that. It would have made still, sense. Yeah. Still, that's an embrace of the feminine, which would be her. You know, teaching a new generation, and and I think that the problem, I think that the reason why a lot of people jumped to a relationship is because when men go on heroic journeys, their I'm using air quotes prize is often a relationship, mm-hmm. and when Batman hooks up with somebody. No one looks at him and goes, oh, this makes him weak. This makes him lesser than. So I think the hope was that a woman could have that same experience, that she wouldn't have to she wouldn't have to be alone to be strong and to show her strength Mm -hmm. and power. And I think that's where a lot of people were coming from. And it just kind of seemed like an obvious thing because she again ryan johnson explicitly said they are dual protagonists because we had two protagonists. The thinking was it would be a good journey for both of them sure makes sense but they decided we didn't have dual protagonists in right. this movie right one's got to be a villain well and the now to go to the other part of ray so you may have already read some of this um what was finn going to tell her when they were dying so he has a um john boyega has a if, Officially stated that he was going to say she ha- that he has force powers, <laughs> which, which was something that you could argue was hinted at in TFA. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He did yield a saber. Look, I'm not of all the things I hate. It's not that I hate that. What I hate is that I hate a lot of things. Actually, yeah. what I hate <laughs> is that again, choose your own adventure. Maybe he was going to tell Ray that he loved her. Because J.J. doesn't want you to... He doesn't want to take a stance so you can assume whatever you right. want and ha- happened. Well, but and John Boyega has said it's the it's the force ability thing. Which makes no real sense I in know, context I of know. that scene. We're dying. There's something I have to tell you. I also sort of have powers. No, that's not in any way what a character would say to their friend at that moment in time. And... I think there's more that's come out of, like, I have a feeling in, like, three weeks we're going to get all dirt on this movie and what everybody really thought whatever whatever really happened. But, like, that just makes no sense. And then you you sit back also and you're like, so in the last movie there was a little bit of, like, a budding romance with Finn and and Rose, Mm -hmm. which we get none of in this movie because, again, Rose is sidelined. So is Finn into Rey? Is that, like... And you get even this, like, weird Ray-Poe dynamic where, like, suddenly they're sparring and this. And, like, it just doesn't – it's like, oh, we put all of our characters together and we have no idea how to make them talk to each other. Yeah. So there's that. 
Um, they really tried to sell us on the trio. Oh, it's like the OT, the trio, the trio, the right. three of them like, back together. And you're like, the three of them have never actually... They've never been together. No, it was Finn together. was the, the point between the two of them. Yeah. And it's, there was no need, really, for Ray and Poe to be close. Again, some of this may have been because of Carrie Fisher's death. There were probably some stuff put on um, Poe that might have originally been on Leia. I don't know. But it kind of goes, so the other part of Finn that I think is worth talking about is this theme that was, again, one of the really strong things about Last Jedi is that you saw, right, there is this effect on the rest of the world, right? Other planets are being colonized and kids are being enslaved. Kids are being put into the Empire as stormtroopers, kids are being enslaved in these gambling uh, planets and such. And, you know, Finn was one of those kids. Finn was, you know, taken as a kid and made to be a stormtrooper. And so in this movie, we introduce another group of former stormtroopers turned like revolutionaries. Have you read the stuff about Lando in that last scene? Yeah, 100%. It's going to be in the novel. Okay. The novelization of this book is going to explicitly say that Janna is related to Lando. Yeah, so the last scene of this movie, when everybody's I'm, celebrating... I, I can't fucking believe that. I, so Lando sits down next to this hot young black woman, and basically he's like, who are you? Where are you from? And she's like, I don't know. He's like, let's find out. And it's fucking Lando Calrissian. So I'm sitting there thinking, on one hand... This is kind of a weird choice. On the like, other when hand, when are they going to bone down? Well, yeah. yeah. On the other hand, I'm like, you know, that's fitting though. Like that was Lando. Like Lando at his heart in Empire is kind of a lech. Like his whole thing is that yep. like he, the first thing he does is hits on Leia. Like that's fitting. Like that. Like it kind of works that that his last moment in this universe would be to hit on a young woman. I buy that. What a like what the fuck when JJ Abrams is like, well actually, he's probably her father. What? What? What what? What what? What what, what, what? So not only is there implications that Jana is force sensitive. Yes. She's also related to Lando Calrissian because they're both black, I guess. Like <laughs> it would seem. So there's so wait, do they also know Finn's family because he is also black? Oh, he's got. I'm like, surprised he's not also his nephew or something. I, and we're all related. <sighs> I, that's absurd. So it's absurd, and that's so fucking stupid. The other thing that I hate, and and John Boyega is now saying he didn't like his his role in TLJ. He liked this a lot more. Yeah, would well, seem like aside that's from like. Funny. Kelly Marie Tran and like and like Laura Dern like nobody really liked making the last Jedi I think everybody was like what's going on I would guess I would love to actually read Domhnall Gleeson talk about it because everybody seems fine with the situation with Ryan except now they don't right well even even during it I think like or at least like when it was first coming out I feel like there were interviews with different people like even Daisy Ridley was like yeah we just kind of had to trust Ryan like where a lot of the characters or the actors were a little bit like wait I like Oscar Isaac had to be like wait I thought I was just the hero wait I'm getting schooled by two women in this movie like I think there were people that were freaked out in cast. And it's easy now when you look, because I'm sure when J.J. Abrams came back on, there was probably a sigh of relief of like, okay, this is going to end the way we thought it would. Like, we're back to this kind of typical story, so I don't have to worry about doing anything weird. Like, I'm sure there was probably that sentiment. I don't know. I would love to hear Donald Gleason because 
watching um, rewatching Last Jedi the other night, I really had forgotten what they do with his character and how it is one of the most brilliant things I've ever seen in a franchise. Mm-hmm. Because you take in Force Awakens, um, I feel like a lot of people were saying like he's a little miscast, like he's a little young. It's a little silly when he's giving this big like SS officer speech. Like there's something about that that's a little bit too trying hard. And then you get to Last Jedi, and the opening scene of Last Jedi is that brilliant, funny exchange between him and Poe, where Poe is just making fun of him and making mother jokes. And it is fantastic to watch Dommel Gleeson do that scene and take that character and turn him into comedy, but without playing the comedy. Like, he's playing it straight, but it turns into that character is the scene stealer of that movie in many ways. Mm -hmm. And... You know, to the next film, like, they kind of don't... JJ, I feel like J.J. Abrams didn't really know what to do with him, which is why we just kill him by Richard E. Yeah. Grant for no reason, really. They cut um, a scene early in the movie with him and Richard E. Grant. Makes sense. Um, and there's a there's a clip going around, an interview, where he... I mean, you whatever, you can read into it what you want, but he seems um, to find it laughable that... Um, people would buy a DVD and see a DVD extra of him. So I, he sounds pretty done with it. Yeah. Like I try not to let my own, like my own views of this movie, like color what people are actually saying, but it seems like Oscar Isaac's completely over it. Yep. Whether he's just over being in star Wars or yeah. this movie, but uh, Donald doesn't seem pleased. I mean, Kelly Marie looked amazing on all the promo stuff and all the red carpets, and she's not even in it. Yeah. I just hope her career is great. I, do I don't too. know. It's a, I don't it's got to be a really, in many ways, shitty gig because yeah. you do a movie that's a long shoot, right? These are not like, oh, I'm filming an indie movie for two weeks or for a month. Like, no, no, no. You film this movie for six months, and then you probably have to go back for ADR and reshoots. Oh, and then you're going to spend a year and a half later you're going to have to fly to 12 different cities and walk the red carpets and give press junkets and answer the same questions that you've answered 12 times. Only now you're also loaded with this aspect of, oh, and a lot of people are really angry and didn't like it. So they're going to ask you really hard questions and you have to decide if you're going to be honest, if you're going to be a a good team player, or if you're going to be an asshole or if you're going to play it clever, Mm -hmm. like what does this do for you? And for somebody like Oscar Isaac, who doesn't have to do that, like he has a career, he's yep. a leading man, this ultimately will have no real effect on his career. Like, it's different, I think, for Kelly Marie Tran and to an extent Daisy Ridley and yep. and John Boyega. Just, I mean, in, in the aspect that, like, John Boyega should be a huge star, but he's also, you know, let's say it, he's also black. He doesn't yep. have the same choices that Oscar Isaac has. And so for him, it's going to very much be a choice of how he's going to handle that aspect of it. And that, that does have to suck. Yeah. I mean, and they, whatever level of success people were at, they, they gave up a certain level of anonymity. Yes. Like they, they are, they belong to the world now. Yeah. And that's awful and hard. Yeah. And, and the person I have the least bit of sympathy for are it's Chris Terrio and JJ um, Abrams oh, because they can fuck they all can completely the way off. fuck off. I don't like Chris Terrio giving that interview saying 
Like, look, I get you've given a lot of interviews right now about this, but you're going to give an interview where you're going to say Leia has never seen Tatooine. How you wrote a fucking Star Wars movie. Do you know how many millions of people would have murdered, would have done, would have paid to do that job? And you're going to speak about it stupidly. (laughs) They have every resource. Yeah available to them there is a story team in place to know all of this stuff so they don't have to right i would like to know finally what happened with that why did jj abrams and chris terrio get to write a, a movie without the story team yeah why did they get to i i think it's because disney just wanted to make money they wanted their version yeah. of a marvel movie they wanted the star wars marvel movie well remember and this was rushed disney- because you still have, like, Colin Trevorrow still has your story credit on it. Yep. Because, and can you imagine what this would have been with him directing? I don't know. It might you know have been what? better. Honestly, it might have been better. Who knows? Well, we'll never know. I'm sure he has an interview, like, waiting to give somewhere. I can't fucking wait. Yeah. Because you, who, I mean, really, who knows? So they did rush it because he was attached to it. I don't know that he's, he, he didn't start filming it, but it was fairly close to where when they were like hey jj you've got like a year and a half free because we kind of need you to come back and finish this and this was a movie that they could not move that release date back the amount of billions of dollars tied into the theme park rides and all the merchandise like this had to come out when it came out they they're again conjecture whatever but apparently they wanted kathleen kennedy and lucasfilm wanted to push it back to easter and disney said no yeah which would probably have honestly hurt its box office, although apparently it's not doing as well as it was supposed to. Mm-hmm. Because, when, I mean, that happens to Solo. When you, when you move a, a big temple like that back, you are making a huge statement. You are saying, we're not ready. Blah. That really does kill movies. However, if you're going to put a subpar product out instead, yeah. eh, what, not so like, either. What is... Uh, I'm really torn because, like, push it back, sure. Would it have even been any any better? I have no reason to believe that. I don't know. I It's hard to say. Like, sure, push it back. I don't know if it would have been a better movie. But yeah. also, I am personally offended that they thought that this was acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so, like, and, and plenty of, like, general audience folks like it plenty of people like it and it's very fast and it's very bright and it it it, somebody said it's like the movie tells you the emotion you're supposed to have yeah like it somebody says happy and you're like i'm (laughs) happy now like it doesn't let you actually experience it yeah and i think that that's fine for a lot of people and i'm not like no shade that's fine if that's fine for you yeah same like, I don't also, want to get into arguments with anybody about this movie. Because I, if if you liked it, I don't want to make you not like it. That's not my goal like, on this particular movie. If you had fun with it, that's fine. But but also, like, I you need to question what you're <laughs> looking to get out of media because it's different than what I'm looking to get out of it. Yeah. And I think that such, if it was just a fun, dumb movie... That's one thing, but it's like a fun, like I said, it's a stanceless movie, yeah. and it's a movie that see a movie that feels incestuous, like it just wants to fucking 
stroke off nostalgia yeah. fans. It's nostalgia it's for lazy. nostalgia's yeah. sake. Yeah. Well, and I mean, thinking back to, you know, a, a big dumb movie that I've defended, Jurassic World. Jurassic World is a stupid ass movie. Yeah. I loved it. And that was one that I kind of like, I wouldn't get into arguments about, but when somebody would trash it at me and I just look at them and be like, you're not going to make me not like this movie. I get it. It's not good. I understand like, yes, they do wrong by Bryce Dallas Howard. They, um, you know, they make some decisions that are kind of questionable. The end of the day, I wanted a movie about dinosaurs eating people. I got exactly that. I didn't, wasn't expecting to cry. I didn't cry. I wasn't expecting any emotional beats. I didn't get any emotional beats. I didn't go to a Jurassic World movie for that. I went for dinosaurs eating people. That's what I got. With this movie, same thing. Like, yes, if you went to this and just wanted a big space opera with a bunch of different planets and a bunch of different lightsaber fights, like, you got that stuff. And if you liked it, cool, great, fine. But for me, there's two things there. One is that it's really hard when you go from Last Jedi where you're making all of these points, when you're dropping all of these little ideas about that are deeper, that are darker, that are about, that are more complex than anything. Okay, and then you decide, well, we don't have time for that in the wrap-up, so we're not even going to bother. But yet, what pisses me off about this movie is the amount of time, like, and it's a really good point you made about how it's like tells you what to feel right on down to let's keep threatening to kill characters and make you briefly sad but not sad long enough where you actually ever really have to worry about them being dead and they do that three times in this movie no i guess four times in this movie Mm -hmm. they do it with chewbacca in the stupidest way possible oh the which that's that scene is great you have ray and kylo like space force battling to direct this transport somewhere and it blows up that's a powerful scene it says a lot about ray it kind of gives her something to chew on and you're sitting there thinking did we just watch chewbacca die and i'm sitting there thinking every movie i've ever seen where a major character dies off screen the character didn't really die Mm -hmm. and sure enough three minutes later we see chewbacca okay that's one we meet Carrie Russell as this kind of cool, uh, you know, pose ex-girlfriend slash, I don't know what you want to call her, but she's on this planet. She's pretty badass. And she says to Poe, like, yeah, I'm going to leave this planet one day. The only way off of it is with this medallion that I have. Um, and then she says, you take it because you, you are on a mission. You're, on a rev- you're a revolutionary. And he says to her, but what about you? You won't be able to leave here. And she's like, it's okay. This is more important. He takes it. Three scenes later, we see her planet blow up. Mm-hmm. We see him look, sadly, and in our minds, we say, oh, man, Carrie Russell's dead. Then at the end of the movie, she shows up. Okay, Carrie Russell's alive. I guess that's good. Wait, how'd you get off the planet? I thought you needed that thing to get off the planet. Who knows? I guess you didn't need that thing to get off the planet. Even fucking C-3PO, we get... Yep. And, like, the robot stuff was my favorite stuff of this movie. I was genuinely charmed every time the robots did anything. BB-8 reminds me of my parents' dog. I love him. Every time he beeps, I smile. All the C-3PO stuff I thought was wonderful. That was great. Anthony Daniels, who also does, in this case, does the Alamo Draft House. Like, you know, they do intros of, like, the Mm -hmm. no cell phone stuff. That's him doing it, and it's so adorable. Um, Wonderful. MVP. But... You have the scene where C3, in order to translate the Sith readings, they have to reset his memory, which means that is 
eight and a half movies worth of memories that we're going to see him lose. That is Chewbacca. That is Han Solo. That is Luke. All of these things that are really heavy and stored in this robot are gone. Wow. Except they're not. And even like, it's like, oh, well, you know, R2 has a backup system. Okay, so we know that you're going to get that backup system. And it it does. Like, and so it just, it, every stake it raises, it just, like drops because quietly. it doesn't want to upset anybody no yeah yeah and, and as a result like, it really upsets us i know and it's nostalgia for nostalgia's sake this was supposed to be handing the franchise off right. to a new let group. the past die and it didn't no. it made everybody interconnected yep. it put her back on a dying desert planet yep. it it killed a car- I'm so- I will never be over it. I will never be over it. Yeah. They shouldn't have... If they were going to kill Kylo Ren, they should have never made him Ben Solo. They killed Why the character he- because they had no idea what to do. And I get it. I don't know what you do with Ben Solo slash Kylo Ren. I mean... But I'm not they- writing a, a, a $20, exactly. $200 million movie. I mean, why... Like, it? Uh, the movie ate itself. This, it, this, th- this sequel trilogy ruined by that last movie in my opinion i'm just not gonna count the last movie yeah it made it not make sense what was the thesis of those movies what was the point of those movies nothing is the universe in balance no everyone thought that they were going to do a reverse padme and anakin story where they were in love and he his the love made him fall basically Mm. they thought well the love is going to bring balance Mm. where the love lost balance the love will bring balance like a fairy tale you know like how george lucas always talks about happy endings and fairy tales Mm -hmm. but it didn't do that so what was the point so then you you pull out larger picture well this was the end of the of the saga the skywalker saga did it solve anything there no i don't even know if the the first order i think is still a thing like we didn't solve anything (laughs) Well, and even, like, Ray, you know, at the end of the movie, like, and throughout the movie, they constantly ask, like, Ray, Ray who? Ray who? And I guess, you know... That's not even real! That's not making any sense! It's supposed to be a thing that she's Ray Palpatine, which, again, fuck you, J.J. Abrams. And, again, like, just... You... The effect to go from Ray Palpatine to Ray Skywalker... Okay, or Ray. Ray nothing. Ray nobody. To Ray Skywalker. Fuck! How do you not get that, J.J. Abrams? How? How do you not understand? They need it because... Then I think the thing that's funniest, again, wrong company, I would get dragged for saying this, but Ray's a Mary Sue in this movie. She is. They they did everything wrong to her and with her. She makes no sense. She's out of character the whole time. She has no empathy. She's no one's friend. She's no one's enemy. She doesn't really even exist but to push the story. Yeah, they, they and just it's really know. offensive. Yeah. Well, I mean, in fairness, I don't know. I feel like that's kind of... I, I don't like going to the term Mary Sue because I think you can, in a way, say that about... Like, oh, what, no, Finn I know, can do like, everything to? Like, the argument that she didn't have her own agency and she wasn't a character, she was just a cipher for the story in the first one, it, it's ironic that that becomes what she does mm-hmm. in this one. Yeah. And they never, stupid Max Landis never used Mary Sue Wright anyways. They all, everyone uses it wrong. That's, it's not applicable to this. It's just, she's not likable. She's not, she's not, she doesn't have a personality. Nobody does, actually. No, no. But 
Except for the robots. Except for the droids. I know. I can't pin that all on her. No, no. And it's not Daisy Ridley's fault. It's not anybody's fault except... I guess Disney. It's Disney and J.J. Abrams and, and to an extent, the other screenwriter... um, I mean, you can't blame a single actor in this movie. You, no. it's it's that yes, they rushed a product. They, for whatever reason, made very specific decisions. And even to the point, if we are going to take that interview about Lando's relationship to that character seriously, it's just one more nail in the coffin of see, you really do have to be related to somebody to be special. Like, yeah. just everything about those decisions just bothered me and again to me i am just gonna do that thing where i'm gonna pretend this movie didn't happen i'm just gonna say it's really weird that they only made two movies but kind of cool because i don't know what i'll invent my own story for where things Mm -hmm. go from there um yeah it's it's just so many decisions that don't make sense and again i i am saying this as somebody who really likes return of the jedi that is my second favorite star wars movie like well, not not so much anymore. Now it's probably like my fourth behind like Last Jedi, maybe Force Awakens, I don't know. Um, but Jedi for me as a kid was everything I wanted. Like it's exciting, it has Jabba's Palace, it has Ewoks, I fucking love Ewoks, I was happy to see Ewoks at the end of this movie. Um, I realize that makes me a very odd fit in the Star Wars fandom. No, I, there's nothing wrong with fan service yeah. when, when you're using it to tell your story when your story is fan service then then yeah we have a problem yeah so it's okay i i have no problem with i would have loved ben to say i have a bad feeling about this i would sell a child to have him say that you want to know why because i'm a fan that wants to be serviced yeah but they that's not so seeing ewoks i'm glad you saw the ewoks and you you. liked the ewoks that's what the whole fucking movie should have been yeah yeah, or like kill an Ewok and actually kill him. Like, don't oh, no. threaten to kill an Ewok and then not kill him. Which you did oh, fine. Like, okay, the first Ewok movie kills an Ewok. This movie doesn't kill anyone other than Ben Solo because they don't know what to do with him. Like, and I'm not saying I wanted a death count in this movie. No, no, I don't think that's what you you're saying. You can't keep. There were no stakes. No stakes. And again, yeah. you go back to. Last Jedi, you introduce Laura Dern and you kill her. You introduce, you know, those bombers in that opening scene. Like, that's effective when they're dying. Like, I feel oh like people gosh, are dying. Yeah. Um, and in this one, you just get so many false deaths that is insulting and just removes any, like, I'm, I'm watching it. And as soon as you kind of get to, like, when Ray gets to Palpatine, I sat back. I'm like, nothing that happens is going to have any emotional res- resonance for me from this mm-hmm. point on. Like, I am, I am done. There's not going to be, there's nothing that can happen. They've already, even like, I'm like, at this point, I'm like, they've already established that R2-D2 has a backup of C-3PO's memory. Like, that's not even going to be a thing. Like, what are you going to give me? You're going to give me nothing. You're going to give me a kiss that turns this, also, I feel like this also very officially turned Rey into a Disney princess. But he, he was supposed to be the princess. Yeah. Which would that, this sense. is I could honestly go on for hours yeah. about about the implications of what they did. He in the aftermath books written by Chuck Wendig, there is a line that says the 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 son of a princess and a scoundrel, his um whatever will rock the galaxy or whatever. They set him up as like 
he's supposed to bring like his mere existence mm-hmm. will bring will bring something to the force like and then he's 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 a he's the fucking prince of Alderaan. They not they don't do anything. They don't do anything. They yeah. just kill him. They put his mask back on. They make him mean, and then they kill him. Yeah. What? I I honestly I have to I have to stop myself because I I will talk about this until the end of time. It's it was really unfair and really uncool, and I don't understand. There was no point. There feels like there was no point. Yep, I think. No, I'm with so you. Long, I'm so long and short of it. I don't begrudge if this satisfied you. Don't. I don't know. I, I again, I don't mean to make anybody hate this movie if they didn't hate it. Um, I don't need to do that. This movie doesn't affect my life one way or another because I'm just to me removing it from existence. Um, I don't think it undoes characters because I'm just, I'm just believing. Yeah, that's not what happened. Like Ray no. is not the the granddaughter of Palpatine. That didn't happen to me. Um, if you wanted to have happened, fine, good. I'm happy you got what you needed out of this. I didn't. Honestly, if you wanted her to be related to somebody and you're listening to this show, I don't, who are you? (laughs) Explain (sighs) yourself to me. What do you, what is your life like? Because I feel like it stands in, in, in contrast. It is antithetical (laughs) to everything that we talk about on this. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if you were one of those Ray truthers, and you were like, who is she related to? What is her ancestry? Show me your papers, Ray. I want to get on the face. To me, it's just, it is so sad that somebody would need that, I guess. Well, we can't believe that a woman can do anything unless her parents did something. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, and I wonder, too, like, I don't know, is it, because I know people at one point were saying, like, oh, I wonder if Finn is related to somebody. But really, they weren't. Like, I didn't see that really spoken about much. Yeah. And I wonder, I don't know, is it, like, the the optimist in me doesn't want to believe it was just because she was a woman that people were so insistent that she was related to someone. That makes me really sad, if that's the case. Because even if Ray wasn't, if it was, if... Han and Leia had a daughter who was oh god how great would that have been if Ben Solo was Benjamina Solo and Ray was Ray R-A-Y would people have still felt like Ray had to be no. related to someone I, I, see, I think they might they might have I think you'd still have that contingent of of this because part of it is we're just so so trained to always think that and I mean Star Wars did that to us Star Wars introduces just, Luke Skywalker you make a really valid point, but do I think people would have launched a hate campaign? No, right. I don't. No, no. Yes, you're right. But it, it just it's so disappointing because I, I like, I don't know. You and I both live in a world where we know that your parentage gives you an advantage in places in the world, and you and I both come from you know, wonderful lineages of different sorts, but they never put my foot in any door. No! And the idea that you have these movies that come out that little girls get to see and finally say, oh, that could be me, that could be me. And ultimately it's like, if I was a princess, that could be me. If I, you know, have noble blood, that could be me. And it just makes me so sad because I feel like that really is a powerful powerful thing and this movie took it away but it didn't it didn't because i didn't see this movie this movie didn't exist 
I'm using a Jedi mind trick to convince us both that there was no last Skywalker. I mean, yeah. I will leave you with this, because again, I could talk about this until the end of time. In The Last Jedi, there is a an unsung character. It is DJ, played by um, Benicio. Um, oh my god, which I have he, a theory about that. I really feel like that is the closest Benicio Del Toro has ever come to playing himself. I, I want to believe that. Yes. Um, the char- this character does something very strange in Star Wars universe. He actively embraces the role of a gray character. Mm -hmm. He is not good. He is not bad. He is for himself. Mm -hmm. Something that really does not happen in that universe. And in a way, it's kind of left like, huh. All right. Well, I mean, he's, I guess he got off that ship. Okay. I hope it works out for him. But in another way, we see the hell that hath wrought of what it does when you don't take a side. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, this movie didn't take a side yeah. and I feel like this movie is not good to use the line that. from another um, finale of a George Lucas production. You lost it, kid, but that doesn't mean you have to like it. That's kind of that. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I know. I know. <sighs> Just a deep sigh all around. Uh, didn't ruin my life because I'm just not going to let it. I mean, that's kind of where I am. I, after I saw, I was very depressed, um, for like two or three days. And yeah. I cried about, I, I cried a little every day for about a week mm-hmm. because I look at, I've said this many times as a child of abuse, many of us saw ourselves in Ben Solo, um, yeah. easy to abandon, easy to ignore, yeah. easy to write off as bad. And with when there was still good in him, and no one seemed to care, and mm-hmm. this movie just said, "Hey, guess what? Nobody cares." Yeah. So a lot of people were really hurt by that characterization. I get it. I get it. That's all. Yeah. Well, at least you don't have to worry about, you know, Chewbacca ever dying. Apparently, no or, one dies. Or see through. Like, aren't they tired? Like Chewbacca's old man. He's like two hundred plus years old. Everybody he has loved is dead. Doesn't that get to you at a certain point? Aren't you like, no, you know what? My character should die. I've seen a lot. You should give me a good death scene. But that's Instead of a medal that- from a movie, six movies ago, that doesn't really make any sense of why this character has a medal to give me. Did I choke I- up a little bit when he's handed the medal? A little bit. Did I also say, why is this happening? Yes. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Okay. Right. You got it all out? Never, but yeah. All right. Um, on a happier note, because we never want to end on a on a negative one, uh, streaming, do you have a recommendation of something people should watch that isn't The Rise of Skywalker? Oh, yeah. On Shudder, there is a movie called Dead Shack. Dead Shack. Baby, Dead Shack. What's Dead Shack? I, I know not of it. Um, It's about, she was singing it. Did you hear her? Chuck is a little um, old place where we can die together. It's a zombie movie ish. Mm-hmm, okay. Um, it's a zombie movie, yeah, and it's complain. interesting and weird, and has a weird sense of humor, and is slightly irreverent. Mm. I don't know. I just I thought it was different, and I kind of enjoyed it, but I don't know if it's the best. Okay. 
I'm glad you mentioned Shudder because this wasn't my recommendation, but I'd forgotten that I'd watched it on Shudder. And so this is kind of a recommendation. Um, I'm going to cheat and have two then. Um, one was, is it Anna and the Apocalypse? Oh, did you like it? I did. Yeah, I completely forgot I watched I it. I don't know why I didn't write it, it down. It's a musical, so I don't know how you'll feel about it. Um, but it's, I think you'll like it because it's very sweet. Like, it's high school kids, and they're likable, and they're real, and they're not... Like, you know, there's the boy with the crush on the girl, but they don't make it into, like, this, this like, oh, you know, you better give up any everything for him kind of thing. Like, it's it's charming, and it's pretty funny. Hmm. So I liked it. Um, but my recommendation was going to be from Amazon Prime, and it's a movie that I don't think has ever had, like, a real DVD release, and I think the only way you can probably watch it is on Amazon Prime, and it is Bernard Rose's Paper House. Oh, okay. Have you ever seen this? No. I think I didn't I don't think I knew it was on Prime. It's been on Prime. Um I think it's the only place it is and weirdly it it's one of those like watch it, it I have a feeling it's just going to go away one day. <laughs> so I would watch it sooner than later. It's never had a DVD release. I have no idea why because there's nothing to this movie that seems like it would have been like a rights issue, but I guess it's one of those like whatever studio owned it maybe isn't around anymore or something. Um it's, I think you would really dig it. It is strange. It's hard to really classify. It's um, kind of a fantasy, I guess is the best way of putting it. It's about a young girl who is is very angry. Um, and you figure out kind of throughout the movie that, okay, something's up. She seems to have a single mom. She, she has a dad who's like away. And you kind of piece it together. Her, her dad's an alcoholic and is probably gone to get clean. And meanwhile, she gets sick, and so she's stuck home, so she starts, like, drawing a house. And her doctor comes over and starts telling her about this patient she has who's about her age, who's a kid with, like, muscular dystrophy who can't walk. Mm -hmm. So before she knows it, she kind of has drawn this boy into this house. And when she goes to sleep, every time she dreams, like, she's in that house, and this boy's there. And it's this very odd... um, kind of stark sparse landscape um you could see like a lot of different art like they're like the painting christina's world is clearly a reference like there's probably a lot of other favorite in there. like there's a lot going on with not a lot going on like it has this really interesting palette where there's like nothing because she it's her pencil drawing she draws a house it's just that house you know it's in a field of nothing and um the, the girl is so good this was the only movie she did apparently And she's great because she's, like, she's angry. And she's, you know, she's not, like, your typical, like, sweet little child actor. Like, there's, like, a fire in her. And it's really just about her kind of bonding with this kid. And they're, you know, they both have very different lives. Like, it's, it's like, you don't know, like, and neither do they. Like, is this real? Is this happening? Is this purely my dream? Or is this something more? And there's, you know, supernatural elements to it. But it's, like... It's very sweet. It's very sad. Um, it has one glaring issue, and it's like sad to even say. But they filmed this movie, and then decided at the, at the after filming, like, oh, Glenn Headley, who plays her mother, you should probably have a British accent because we're filming in England. So can you ADR all of your dialogue oh, with a British man. accent? And it sucks because like Glenn Headley's a good actress, and but she clearly didn't know how to do a, do a British accent in the time frame she was given. So like her dial her like. It just, it's a weird effect that doesn't really work. Um, but it's just, it's unusual. And I found it really moving. And I, I don't, like, it's, I think I approached it thinking it was kind of a horror movie. It's not. 
Um, but it doesn't really fit in any genre easily. Like, I'd kind of say fantasy, but it's so non fantasy in many ways but i i want you to watch it i want others to watch it okay you on amazon right amazon prime yep yeah it's it's different it is unlike anything and i found it very strangely affecting so yeah so that's that well it was a roller coaster it, it was indeed um I think I don't know. Did you have anything you're you're busting to cover next, or you want to think about it and come back to me? I don't have anything. I don't think. All right, we're, but we're, I'm open. All right, we'll we'll think of something. Um, we will, you know, try to be more open and inclusive in what movies we cover or what or whose movies we cover this year. I like this, mm-hmm. and we're gonna come up with some good ideas. And if anybody has ideas and suggestions, please uh, share them on Facebook. It's the easiest place, probably. Yeah. All right, I'm going to close us out with some Ewok movie, Ewok music, oh, and uh, we'll call it a night. Yeah, good night. It's been a good year, Christine. It ha- You know what? It has. It has. Happy been- New Year and Happy stuff. Happy New Year. <laughs>